Oh, finally, YouTube starts working. Jeez. Everything popped up like I've been waiting for the whole time. Annie, are you over here yet? Yeah, YouTube. Oh, there's something going on with YouTube. I think they're doing some back end updates or something like that uh, because I've had problems with each section of my account one at a time. So, uh, you know, the first one was like issues with visibility. Then I had issues with this. Now I'm having issues with this. So I, I'm assuming they're uploading something. I don't know. But I wanted to wait to talk about what Annie was talking. Okay, cool. Good, good, good. So um, that organ Elantra, I so wish that it could have been tested. I really, really, really wish that it could have been tested. And um, the reason why I wish that could have been tested um, is so locally there was a conversation that was had and i'll try and find that interview again it was so interesting and it was honest it it was literally the first piece of evidence that i happened to come across once i started diving into the idaho 4 case um you know cuz we were half true crime well not even half 33% true crime for a long time before we eventually went full time into it because it just we we like true crime better than anything else. So we just went full-time true crime. But um, it was the first piece of evidence that I found. And it is an interview with somebody who lives locally. And she was talking about that she tried to, she tried to end herself and that she had a white Hyundai Elantra and no longer has it. And she crashed it on the same night as the crime. And when you line up that story with some of the details that we've seen in this case it it is i have a hard time not asking questions and and saying wow that's really convenient that we have confirmation of three within uh 2011 to 2015 hyundai elantras in moscow in moscow uh driving at the same time frame in the same night at those same early hours of the morning. Um, so I started digging into that. That's how we found the organ car. And, uh, you know, she says in the interview that she wrecked her car and doesn't have it anymore. And the person that's interviewing her doesn't ask the question, okay, well, is it an insurance claim? It like, where is the car? Did it go to a junk uh, a junk shop or, or whatever. And the, none of those questions get answered that I would have liked to have had answer because let's just, if I was a police officer, right. I, this is why I just hope they have a ton more evidence because I feel like the evidence that they do have is already really weak for a case, especially when you compare it to like Gilgo four and the overwhelming amount of evidence they have there. So if Koberger ends up not being the guy, then I am terrified for these families to not get another suspect. I don't think they're going to be able to find another suspect if Koberger ends up being found innocent by the court, you know. Um, but here, I'll do the intro real quick, and then we can dive into some of those details. So 
Welcome, everybody. I am super glad that you're here. And we just got done watching the questions about the knife sheath chain of custody. And I we've talked about this a little bit over the past couple weeks or the past few weeks about the DNA on the knife sheath and whether it was ISP who found that DNA or it was a startup in Texas. And did ISP find that DNA and send the profile to Texas or was the entire sheath sent to Texas? I've heard stories on both sides here. So uh, we dug into that a little bit and, and feel like there's some worth to it. Uh, and it could also be why the court is interested in keeping it secret because of proprietary information for a company, a startup company that doesn't want to share their technique and uh, technology with any other company out there. So it was really interesting. And uh, we're going to dig into some of that. But uh, we're super glad all of you are here. This is the True Crime Talk Show brought to you by Thought Riot Podcast. My name is Brendan. And I am Malia. And let's dig in. But yeah, Annie, like we were talking about with the car, I, I agree. I, I think it would have been smart to have been tested. And hey, maybe they did. Maybe they did, you know, because when that car was found, it was pre-Coburger. So I would assume that if you have a car that matches that the the year of the make um that would be top of the list i would hope right i would hope so and we got that vin number from the car uh verifiable vin number and i do have that saved in the email and that car had gone from texas as its original ownership here i'll pull it up so you guys know which one i'm talking about once you see the picture you'll know exactly what i'm talking about oregon This one here. So we got the VIN number from this car and we were able to trace the VIN because that is public information. Um, and that VIN number had this car first owned in Texas and then owned in Arizona and then owned in Oregon. <laughs> and what's interesting is it was around the same area, which I understand that could be total coincidence, but it was around the same area that the Sandra Ladd and Jamie Lynn Juton crimes had occurred, which made us wonder that, hey, if the person who did this crime uh, was evolving, right, and, and they were escalating, as we see in standard serial enders, um, it would be it would make sense that Sandra Ladd could have been the first one and then Juton could have been the second one, uh, or the Jutans could have been the second one, and they're evolving and progressing to something bigger. And they had stolen a car, to, to Jeff's point, because I, I do think this car was uh, labeled as stolen, if I'm remembering correct. I got to pull up the document we have. But um, could that person from that area that did their first crime being Sandra Ladd steal a car, drive to Moscow, do this crime and drive it back. I think realistically it's yeah. possible, you know, and so obviously this is theory. If Koberger isn't the guy, right. Yep. 
Um, so with the knife sheath, I, I, I hear so often, even on like Reddit where people get into conversation, like deep conversation about some of these topics, but, uh, for, for at least the last few months, all I've heard is it's ISP who found the profile and it was never sent anywhere else. And they sent it to the FBI and the FBI is the one who identified um, Koberger as a cousin or whatever it was. How, however, they made the connection, how they made that connection isn't so important. But when I wanted to cover this case and dive back into it, where and I find a lot of my topics that I want to cover just from conversations, just because something might not be making sense. Something isn't adding up for me. And the sheath happens to be one of those things where um, I knew that I heard that Texas was involved. 100% knew that Texas was involved in some way. But did you get one? What? Yep. The king of the chat? All right. Here. It's right there. All right. Maybe there the we crown, go. Maybe the crown needs to be bigger. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a baby crown. I I was just testing it, but I wanted to have it for this one. I can edit it and make the crown bigger though. Yeah, I know the the PCA's verbiage on a lot of things. Michael, I I know. Michael. Check the chat. Oh yeah, I, I should have said Michael's name. Um I assumed when he heard the crown he would put two and two together, but um so with the knife sheath and Texas Okay. Mm -hmm. I think realistically, what is best for the prosecution is if I'm going to move this. Don't unplug it. I think what's best for the prosecution is if the knife sheath wasn't sent to Texas. According to the experts that we saw. What if it wasn't? Yeah, that's what's best because every time the knife sheath goes out of control of law enforcement, out of uh, a, a lab, that puts it at risk for cross-contamination. And that is something that a good defense attorney will lean on. They will take that information and start causing reasonable doubt within that information saying, okay, well... Look at this. It, you know, when it got moved from here to here, who was involved in that? We have somebody that was heavily involved and invested in local criminology. Uh, is there any way there could have been any cross contamination? Has he ever been in your lab? When it was sent to Texas, um, could there be some kind of cross contamination? Did one of the officers that pull him over have some kind of cross contamination with it? You know, it, if I was the defense, that's what I would be leaning on. Yeah, Michael, we're going to make the crown a little bit bigger. But yeah, I agree with you. Um, so one thing Vargas mentioned in her um, interview with Truth and Transparency, uh, Lana, she said um that she never touches like any of the items like any of the evidence she or the samples she never touches any of them right because chain Here, of custody Vargas. matters so much she's like who's to say that i don't contaminate it and put someone else's dna in it or my own dna 
for some reason. You know what I mean? You just, that's just important. It can create questions. Um, so it's important that someone like her never touches it. Only the people that are collecting it touch it ever. Like yeah. it goes straight from the investigator's hands, basically, to the lab technician that extracts the DNA. Yeah, yeah. And and what what she was doing though is is she wouldn't have been involved in uh in gathering that DNA evidence. Isn't Vargas part of uh, the genealogical database side of things. So right. the profile would have already been gathered by the time it got sent to her. Exactly. Right. Okay. Okay. I just want to clear it up because I think that one of the biggest things that could help at least the general public or anybody looking into this case is to understand the chain of custody with that knife. And, you know, there's a lot of people on both sides of the table that lean into the knife sheath and wanting to understand, wanting to know how, wanting to know why, wanting to know where, and thinking that that for one side, thinking that that could be a major point of contention in that knife sheath was used to make a connection with Koberger when there wasn't one. Therefore, mm -hmm. leaning on the fact that it could have been a setup, there could have been uh, padded evidence, you know what I mean? Um, and so understanding what that chain of custody was, I think would go a long way in this case. Yeah, I agree. I think it would go a long way. Now, one thing that I couldn't find evidence of is we've heard multiple times that um, that the knife sheath, so ISP supposedly could not find evidence on that knife sheath, okay? They, they were not the ones that found it. They sent this knife sheath to the Texas laboratory in, where was it on the video? Yeah, Stim said you can only question right police officers, lab technicians, and the prosecutors so much before the jury sees through your strategy. I, I guess, but that's pretty much the defense's job is to question them and make sure everything was done correctly um, and to cause reasonable doubt. Yeah, like that's kind of the point. Yeah. That's always the strategy. And to be fair, in this case, it's not like they have much to question them on. This this case's evidence is one of the worst I've ever seen, period. Bob Mata said it's some of the best. Yeah, well, then he doesn't know what he's talking All about. All right, so show you multiple other cases that are not built around circumstantial evidence and can give factual connections between location of crime versus person connected. Now, does Bob Mata know something that we don't? totally possible you guys that that's totally possible there i've said it from the beginning that there could be a whole bunch more evidence it's unlikely but it could be yeah you know mm -hmm. just with the evidence that we currently have now it's super weak it's super super weak and uh i i'm i'm really surprised like i think if you would have took the eyewitness accounts out that the grand jury never would have happened I think there's I think there's actual worth in that statement that the grand jury happened because of the state, the eyewitness accounts. I think so, too. I don't think it would have landed otherwise. Grand juries are, are pretty normal and common, though. Yeah. 
So, yeah, but I do think it was done because of the witnesses. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I think so. And, and the reason why I'm saying that is not that there shouldn't be a grand jury. Not, I'm not questioning any of that. It's just trying to explain how weak I believe the evidence is in a situation where uh, it can be compared to other cases. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I know, and did say that there was no connection to the four. Right, right. Now, there are some other possible connections that they're leaning on, like the uh, the 12 cell phone pings. If those were... If those were reliable, and I don't believe they are due to the layout in the area and the cell phone tower placement in the area, but if those were reliable, that absolutely could create a connection if it showed him um, driving by the house on a regular basis. You know what I mean? Yeah. What? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I am. Yeah, it, that kind of proves what I was saying, Cheryl, is that's always the tactic. Um, she was just saying in the Lori Daybell trial, the prosecution questioned the validity of every single piece of evidence. So and it was obvious that that evidence was very, very strong. Oh, absolutely. Um, but that's what they're going to do every time. That is the strategy yeah. for a defense lawyer always is uh, to question the evidence, make sure that it's valid or else the whole trial is unfair and unjust yeah. if they don't do that. Yeah. And I think that's something that's really broke a lot of brains, honestly, with this case is um, things that are really normal are like being played out in the media like they're not normal yes you know what i mean yeah yeah no i i do i do and i i f i feel like that's why when i was talking about the sheath i didn't want to go too far out into tin hat because we can go there really easy i could i could jump off that that bridge and go there really easy into tin hat land with the knife sheath a hundred percent but the the realistic outcome of the situation is that this knife sheath is going to be used in court, even though they didn't want it to be a part of court, even though they didn't want to include it in the case, it is going to be included and there's no way around it. So it I, I feel like it's more beneficial to people for people to look at the situation from uh, a perspective of how are they going to deal with this realistically? Are there realistic concerns that could be brought up in court that could bring uh, questions and or um, some and or uh, pull the reliability of the evidence out from under their feet, you know? In, in what case are you talking about? Yeah, and and I think that's what the defense has a big uh, 
a big task ahead of them on is they they have to be able to provide reasonable doubt in that evidence and how it got there. Now, if I'm taking the position of a defense attorney, right? And I am not an attorney, you guys. So, you know, this is probably the dumbed down version. I'm sure there are attorneys out there that would listen to what I'm about to say and be like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know. But uh, I would immediately dig into the fact that it is, uh, I would bring up those two tests and dig into the fact that uh, it is, uh, it is trace DNA for one, right? And I would bring up the fact that our own military, our own military, one of the most trusted uh, groups of people, one of the most trusted protectors of the U.S. that that's out there, uh, is doesn't allow trace DNA in their courtrooms. Uh, I think that's all really good, reasonable doubt to throw at this DNA evidence. The next one would be, uh, okay, let's show how easily that DNA could be moved from one person, one suspect, one place onto another place with relative ease, right? Uh, I would probably bring up an example in court showing them, hey, look, let's let me show you a video of how these two people shook hands and then one of them grabbed a knife and stabbed, uh, you know, that, that one test we went through and stabbed the box or whatever. And it, it crossed the DNA so that the person that did the handshake, not the person that wielded, wielded the knife had their DNA on it. I think all those things as a defense attorney, I would bring up to cause reasonable doubt in mm -hmm. this DNA evidence. You know, something Truth and Transparency has been showing uh, recently. It was in a recent live stream. Um, I think I brought this up. I think it was last week um, that she has emails between Brian Kober and uh, is it the chief? Okay, One of you Fry. guys might know. Correct me. Not. I don't know if it's Fry, but. It was basically proving that he met with him in person and was going to be an intern, if not already an intern. Well, I have a little bit of doubt in that just because I believe that there is evidence showing that he had applied for the position once previously and did not get it. So that doesn't mean that that's not true. It just makes me wonder, since I've been involved in hiring a ton of people, right? If you don't knock it out of the ballpark during your first interview, a second interview is not likely. Do people get hired in a second interview? Absolutely, after they've been turned away once. But it's it's less of a chance, right? So if I'm looking at that situation, I would think, okay, well, what has changed this time that he didn't get accepted the first time could it have been just a circumstance of situation yeah absolutely maybe there is no reason maybe there were too many applicants the first time and they only took people that were further along in the doctorate's program and and he had to wait until he was further along in it i i don't know you know what i mean mm -hmm. but it makes me question those things to look at the validity of that situation and if that even has weight to it or was he applying for that position and not going to get it again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just trying to look at the situation from both sides, because I think looking at it from both perspectives helps people either reaffirm 
or figure out their stance on any of these given situations. You know, I'm just curious how friendly he was with the police, with people uh, maybe connected to police. Like, I, I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering because if he exactly was Amanda. a regular in anywhere that the police were, I feel like cross contamination is highly likely. Yeah, yeah. Not, not highly, somewhat likely or somewhat possible. Yeah. So what was that? It. So if they can prove that I, he had I didn't been say that very well, but you get what I'm saying? I'm saying it's possible. Yeah. No, no, no. I got you. Uh, it, I, I think what we could see happen. Right. And it's going to be a catch 22 because. Part of the downside of the fact that that DNA is even in the house at all, if the defense brought up that Brian Koberger had been in the house before, that opens a door for the prosecution to say, well, of course he's been in the house before because this killer knew the layout of the house. While the defense would have to argue and manage, well, let me explain why he couldn't have known the layout of the house as well as you're saying he did, but he was there long enough to leave his DNA on the scene. You know what I mean? Which I think the prosecution messed up by not getting the profiles of those other three DNA, uh, DNA profiles that they found because the, the defense is going to highlight this house as a party house. There's no way around it. There is body cam evidence that it was a, major party house as those officers are walking up almost a hundred yards from the house you can hear the party yeah you know I, what i you mean you know what's really weird how, tell me have you guys seen that tiktok uh i think it's a tiktok where it's a party at the the king road house and there's a guy in the background and he's a little blurry like he's walking I um, mean, it's just a picture. Are you talking about backpack guy? It's just a no. No. It's just a picture, and it looks so much like Koberger. It's crazy how much it looks like the side of his face. No way. Yeah. And you're not talking about the drip drop video, the crime circus video. I don't know what you're talking about. So crime circuit here. I'll I'll pull it up. So shout out to crime circus as always, but I'll pull up that picture where. It's total theory, and he says that it's total theory, that just remember, he, he has no information about this, this picture here. Um, but look, let's be real here. Brian looks like, if there's a textbook definition image of an average American in from whatever middle america whatever uh brian is that guy yeah you know what i mean you could almost make any picture i'm sure that if you caught a side image of me and i didn't have my plugs in i had my work appropriate plugs that are skin tone and you can't tell i have these um if you caught a side image of me and i was a little bit blurry you could probably argue that hey that looks like brian koberger in that blurry picture you know what I mean? Possibly. I'm just any brown-haired man could potentially look like Koberger I, from a blurry side. I see side what view. you're saying. I see what you're saying. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. Not that I necessarily believe that. I know. 
I think it's important to question it, obviously. Right here. Yes. That's the picture you're talking about? It is. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I actually so. saw it on TikTok. Yeah. I didn't, I, when I was watching his video, I didn't act, I was mostly just listening. I wasn't actually watching most of the time. It totally looks like his haircut, his haircut. I think we just had a, a picture of him up that clearly showed his haircut. Hang on. Oh, maybe not. Well, everybody knows what Brian Koberger looks like. We've stared at his face for like a almost a year. <laughs> yeah. You know the pictures of him when he's getting pulled over right there? He kind of looks like um, the guy from Donnie Darko. Jack G Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Yeah. It. I think it's his brow bone and forehead for sure. Yeah. But yeah, it, I mean, his hair is clearly different than mine is. But I think that that cut could totally be this picture right does that person have a mullet is that a mini mole oh is that the mini mole because that's kind of far down his ears it is kind it, of well far i guess down. is mine like that because i have long hair i'm kind of wondering if they have more hair on top than brian though oh gosh you can't tell from that that is like super blurry background. Wouldn't that be crazy though? What if that is yeah. Koberger? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think he was an incel. And because of that verified story, now obviously we don't have concrete evidence of this story, you guys, but I think everyone has heard this story when he first moved out into the area. And his dad is a really social person. And he had, uh, while Koberger was moving things into his apartment, his dad made friends with one of his neighbors, struck up a conversation, and his neighbor being nice invited Brian to this pool party, right? It's the pool party that everybody knows about. And Brian agreed and said, okay, you know, I'll go with you, whatnot. And he goes to this pool party and the neighbor talks about the interaction he had uh, while he was DJing and things like that. And multiple people have confirmed this story that Brian Koberger, when, when the guy said, hey, I need to get back to DJing or whatever, Koberger took it upon himself to go get in the shallow end of the pool and pulled two girls numbers back to back. That is not classic incel behavior, you guys. I understand that there's a lot of things that need to happen from talking to a woman to the other things that come with it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I, but I don't know why there's the narrative that Brian Koberger is ugly. <laughs> like he is very far from ugly, in my opinion. When you look at like standards of attractiveness, he is tall. Okay. That's pretty, pretty big deal. Um, for some he yeah for some, not everyone obviously it never that's why like beauty standard standards are kind of dumb yeah i uh, just don't think height is important in a guy i get it is for some girls but like there's a lot of people that try and make it seem like it's a big deal and i don't think it is and i'm not tall okay, okay we're so. just talking about being attractive not dating 
because you're right. When you when it goes past attraction and you want to date this person, height doesn't matter as much. When you're just talking about being attracted, that's different. Height does matter. Um, Interesting. But I do feel like he is a pretty standard attractive man. Like, there's nothing ugly about yeah. this guy. Yeah. Like, everybody kept saying Ted Bundy was so charismatic and attractive. I think he was hideous. <laughs> yeah, but for his time. For his time, I know. That unibrow was in, you guys. Can you believe unibrows were in in Greece back in the day for they women? They were in in the 70s They literally here. would draw, like, put coal, like charcoal to make a unibrow if they didn't have one and have this big old black unibrow you know how many women came out when ted bundy was going through the trial and he did his whole laid back like don't even care stuff and they were like oh my gosh your unibrow uh, and you know what i mean <laughs> they just wanted that unibrow right. day in and day out hi amanda it's not let me look into your eyes it's let me look into your <laughs> unibrow and hello and yes i don't know if the girls testimonies i don't know if i believe them either I mean, if they're going to be honest, Dude, especially Dylan's re you got if you guys haven't watched the interrogation room video we did that blew my mind when I started looking up statistics around the read technique, the difference between an interrogation versus an interview and or conversation. The fact that the officers that are trained in read technique are trained to not act any different between a conversation uh interview or interrogation you treat them all the same you come with that certain level of doubt in all of them mm -hmm. so that leads me to ask the question what were these eyewitness statements led were they fed information and a lot of times officers feed the 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 suspect or the interviewee information without even realizing it it yeah. doesn't have to be like a dishonest thing it could be that the investigator has all this knowledge and while having a very uh a very heated conversation with the person in front of them little details come out in the same way that they would be talking to their other cop buddies, but you can't take that back now once the suspect has that knowledge. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it can turn into a level of discomfort from the suspect or interviewee, which can turn into a leading conversation where they lead with the information that was fed by the police officer accidentally. You know, I mean, a really good example of it is uh, which obviously this guy was guilty. But if you watch the Chris Watts uh, confession, he was he was led so expertly <laughs> into a confession. It was it was honestly kind of crazy in my so, opinion. So they gave details. I don't remember the Chris yeah, Watts like, interview because I like, watched more. They of were like Nicole. They were like they were like. Um, you know, maybe Shanann, you know, she hurt the kids. You know, oh, she oh, hurt the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay, then you okay, were gotcha. so upset gotcha. or yeah, mad yeah, yeah. at her. Then you got her. You know what I mean? Like yep. she went into this whole scenario of yep. like it took the blame off of him yep. completely. Yes. Like yes, yes, you yes. did that because she hurt your children and he went right along with it. See, the leading I'm talking about, though, is leading the storyline 
um, not minimizing the crime. I think that that's important. I think that even in a non-read conversation, what you're talking about is so important. It is really, really important. But um, the, the kind of leading I'm talking about is when they're given details of the crime that they didn't previously have. You know what I mean? Not yeah. not a story that they can lean on for uh for their own conscience and ego. Woo! Yes. Welcome Riddler and thank you for the gifted sub. Someone yeah. is going to appreciate that. That is awesome. Yep. Welcome, and, welcome to whoever got it. Thank you so much. And uh, I think we already talked about it, and I actually responded to your your video, but I'm super glad that you suggested the um, – I'm having an ADHD moment right now. What's the video? What's the – Danny Rowling. Dan Danny Rowling um, story. That was so interesting. Yeah, that was a good suggestion. All right, let's catch up on some comments real quick. Okay. Um. So, Regina, I'm a few minutes behind, but even if it went to a different laboratory, why is his DNA there if it's cross-contaminated? Yep. So, we talked about that. what, you responded to that? Yep. Okay, so. Uh, that was when you first got here and we talked about uh, what are some of the ways that that cross-contamination could have happened. Oh, she was behind. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. But anyway. Um. Here, let's find another one. Let's see. So STEM B, STEM KB, military court, most often oversees a close-knit community, hence why their DNA standard is different? It No. That doesn't really make sense. Honestly. No, we, we looked into it. So their, their DNA standard is that, uh, so they had an expert come on that writes the the regulations around military court standards and they they said word for word we pulled it off the .gov website when they somebody submitted a request to get um trace dna added to the allowed um the allowed uh whatever the allowed evidence in military courtrooms and they came back with their findings at it, as it is the one of the most unreliable evidence there is out there. And and we read that statement in one of our first Moscow videos uh, around that. But it's due to its unreliability, not because of their close-knit partnership. Um, so, But on the contradicting side, though, Trace DNA has also helped close a ton of cases i'm not saying that it's not important it, it just needs to be approached with the proper amount of skepticism is where I, what i was saying so um yeah thank you for correcting me ch and american princess i saw you guys saying that um that it was it was with pullman pd which i did i did know that um i just didn't know it was a zoom call i didn't realize that i what? thought he literally went and met them in person who bk yeah no Wait, uh you didn't know that no i did know that i did um 
And uh, be, and the reason why I knew that is because when we started looking into why the conversations weren't recorded, someone that I was talking to was leaning onto the fact that because it was a Zoom call, but with one button, you can record your Zoom call. So uh, I remember verifying that. But there's also supposedly a conversation that was had in the, the county jail as well. There's been two or three supposed conversations that have not been recorded. Woo, somebody else got a membership. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, it's Zerka. Keith, I think you are Zerka. <laughs> <laughs> but welcome. Thank you so much, Amanda. Yeah, that's awesome, Keith, not Zerka. Yeah, that, was, that should be his name. He's under an alias. He is. Your alias should be not Zerka, like Ian's. That's super funny. Yeah. Okay. So. Um. Okay. So I saw CH say something. What? It was a research assistant position that he applied for when he was finishing up his master's. Typical grad student behavior: find research positions that will pad Add your. your resume. Yeah. yeah. Um, so interesting, Jeff, the car is registered from Colorado and police say the female owner is not believed to have any relation to any property in Moscow, Idaho, or the ongoing murder investigations. Correct, but yeah. here's the interesting thing is that interview where the girl says she crashed her car that night and was trying to right. unalive herself. And don't they have connection to Colorado? N no. Remember, we looked that up. And so with the VIN number, it is public information, all vehicle history records, all of them. And if you don't have the VIN number, Jeff, I can, I can send you that too. Um, but you can very easily pull up the VIN information. And uh, that car came from Texas. And I think if I'm remembering correct, it was actually manufactured and bought new uh in in texas from one of the one of the plants I, it must have came off the boat in texas or something like that but it was bought new in texas uh then it was registered in arizona then it was registered in colorado and i know there's those underground uh that the underground information about that car being somehow connected to the owners of the all those houses in moscow I don't think we ever found anything like that. But what's interesting is the possibility of it being there. I wish, and there is a way to investigate that. I wish that the owner knew like how much miles was on the car when it was stolen and how many miles were left on the car Wait, upon the- It was stolen? Yeah, it was stolen. And okay, then- I, I think the last owner was her and it was actually stolen from a, a car lot and is the official storyline and that uh yeah that i believe i believe i need to verify well, my sources sketchy. i wasn't planning on talking Super on the car sketchy. tonight so yeah, i mean no you don't need to go into all those details it's a quick answer we're trying to catch up on comments no the um, rant is important what are you talking about so i i agree with you regina i don't I don't think it matters how smart somebody is. They they are still human. They're still going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, and Amanda said, side note, my last question in every interview is, what is your definition of integrity? And that tells you so much. Yeah. That's you know what my answer would point. be? What? 
my answer would be whatever your definition of in integrity is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's pop. I think that's right. Or it could be to pat his resume, like CH was saying. Yeah. But I, it is, it, it may just look really good to do that. Yeah. And, uh, and not be required, but everybody does it because it looks good. So his, his PhD required it with, WSU or Pullman police like it had to be at that police station may maybe I don't know maybe we should look it up but I have seen somebody say that before yeah Brian looks like a fed agent I don't think so I mean I don't know what a fed agent looks like me either there there's no requirements on looks like um like special forces in order to be a part of certain special forces in the military, you have to be between like six, one and six, three or something like that. So that you can't be identified when covered up. Oh, you're hooked on Celsius now, Amanda, <laughs> join the club. <laughs> I know. Um, here, see anything interesting. The guy walking on willing to drive on Google maps looks like BK. I have, heard people say that jeff the fbi agents from what we know actually went up to like 125 but i think what's important when you're talking about that overall number is it's not that there were 125 on scene it it that's also including all their their science testing agents and things like that Brian, in my opinion, was watching MPD. If that's his car, he had a police scanner and drove into the crime scene at the parking lot of the Queen Road Apartments. Hmm. Yeah. Personally, you guys, if I was doing the crime, I wouldn't have my car anywhere near there. I would have parked a quarter mile away. What could be in cell behavior, SB? What were you saying? Sorry, we're we're pretty behind. This is how we're going to um, have it set up from now on, though. And yes, please like the stream. Thank you, Riddler. It really helps out. Yes, um, yes, yes. Right. That's what I'm saying, man. He is attractive. People just want to say that because they want him to be ugly. Yeah. <laughs> they want him to be an incel so bad. Yes, tall guys are attractive, especially for tall girls. Yes. But what, what, it's not what I'm saying, though, is there's this idea out there that I hate right now. And it, it's I'm not going to get into what community it comes from. But there's this idea that uh, tall men are make being tall makes men more attractive. But when you get down to the nitty gritty, and I've talked to a ton of people, my job requires me to talk to a ton of people every day. Most women only care that their man is taller than them when it comes down to it. Yeah. Thanks, Amanda. Yeah, I, I think so. But when you're six foot, you're taller than almost every girl. Uh, for sure. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Thank you, Dara. What? So 
did you guys know that Letitia Stock's lawyers are now like she ruined my career? She was the worst. And yes, we saw the Delphi stuff, guys. We saw it. We did not miss that. No, um, it is crazy. We we posted something on our uh on our Discord about it. Yeah, it's 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 really sad. It it's super super sad. Um yeah, they just it feels weird. So one thing to note, okay? They won't be under a gag order anymore. Is that important or is it not? It depends on the reason why they quit, I think. And if we're going to get a hey, Badfish. statement, if we get a statement from them. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what comes out now. I'm keeping my eyes peeled, but I'm. it's really an unfortunate situation. Yeah. Yeah, but if so, I. Yeah, she is. But if the car's stolen, it could have been anybody. Anybody could have stole it, and for what reason? Um. Whoa! Awesome, whoa, Violetta. We just saw that. It didn't pop up at the top. Yeah, that's super strange. But we appreciate that. We appreciate that a ton, and appreciate you being here and supporting. Yes. That is awesome. Thank you so much. I hate why does it not pop those up at the top? I don't know. That's really weird. Yeah, that's incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, star of the chat. You're right. You have been dubbed star of the chat. Yes. <laughs> For the stream. That gets the 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 hat. The you gotta post it. The crown. We have a star of the chat emoji. Oh, yeah, we do. So I don't know. I The phone and the car are big things for me, too. I mean, that's the only evidence they have. So it has to be. I mean, the knife sheath, I think, honestly, is the biggest deal. Oh, I don't. Yeah, because unless they can prove something more with the car that we haven't seen. The knife sheath is the biggest deal socially until you do your research into trace DNA and the unreliability around it. In my opinion, that's just my opinion, because I I try and think about if I was a jury member. Right. And I'm listening Coming to the case thinking DNA is all that in a bag of chips. It's either yours or it's not, right? And uh, and then I am told how unreliable touch DNA is, how it can be transferred from one person to the next and then onto a weapon. I would immediately have be filled with doubt. I would be filled with doubt from that point on. So... I know. Odinous incels. <laughs> Dude, crime crime is getting crazy, okay? Things are really popping off right now, and I am questioning my own reality, okay? <laughs> uh, there, I don't know what to think anymore. There's one fix for all of it, and that is to just include cameras in every single courtroom across the nation. Well, it's just transparency. Yeah, that's it's what honesty. I mean. Yep. I don't think that there should be media in a courtroom at all. I think that media in a courtroom messes with 
people's mindsets and how they present themselves. I mean, you even heard the prosecution uh, say, hey, judge, I'm trying to figure out the best way to answer this with the media here. Literally says that in court, right? There shouldn't be media there. There should just be a camera, one GoPro that covers the entire courtroom that anybody can access through an official link. Done. Solved. Mm -hmm. There you go. You know, and let people interpret it as they see it. Everyone's got an opinion anyways. Yeah. Glad to have you back, Allie. That's awesome. Yes. Super stoked so you're here. Knife sheath is the only thing that even in theory specifically places BK at the scene of the crime. Everything else is somebody in this car or he was on this tower, etc. The sheath is problematic, but everything else is weaker, even in theory. I agree with you, Ian. I, That's basically what I was trying to I say. I don't. And you said it much more eloquently. I you don't. literally have already disproved the cell tower data. The only thing we haven't disproved is the car stuff because we don't have enough so, evidence there. Ex exactly. And that's where I'm going with it. So I think we said this probably about a week ago where we were trying to talk like, hey, what is the most reliable piece of evidence out there in court today? After knowing all that we know about DNA, about cell phone pings, about everything, if someone can bring the most rock solid piece of evidence ever, my answer is, uh, is video or pictures. So if they can show me video of Brian Koberger undeniably pulling around and parking in front of the house, and clearly it's him, there's no question he did it. That's no question. True. He is it. If, if there is that ring camera that Annie Elise talks about where a cat was taking a pee and they can see the person get out of the car and it's clearly Koberger, no one, no one could sway me from him being guilty. There, that is 100% certainty he's there. Now, trace DNA evidence is not that concrete. Okay, but what if he was the DoorDash driver? Then you would see the DoorDash in his hand. Yeah. So uh, then there could be doubt, but there is nothing stronger than video, in my opinion. That is straight up. A 100% like, for sure thing. What if he was tracking? He knew he was a door driver and that's how they got on his radar because he was delivering to that house like every night at a certain time or, you know, certain days of the week at that certain time and knew it was going to come through. And he's like, oh, that's a good cover. I'm a DoorDash driver, you know? Well, nobody will suspect me. Then he'll be out of the picture for a long time. And I would still think he was guilty if if a DoorDash driver got out of the car with a bag and then went MIA out of picture and didn't leave in the car for like 10 to 20 minutes, anywhere between there, I would still feel like they were guilty. Yeah, I'm just I'm kind of joking though here, guys. I I don't think he's the DoorDash driver. Um, and I've yeah. I've heard things about the DoorDash driver recently that mm -hmm. definitely make that theory not seem plausible. But, um, here, 
So is there any way BK could communicate with accomplices without leaving a trace? Can yeah. Ali intercept VPN messages? Yeah, it they can. I I'm curious what what you mean though. Like if there was more than one person there, you could absolutely flash a flashlight, um, make okay, a sound if, like okay. a hooting sound, you know? Okay, but what if they're not like driving there together? What if they're all meeting at the house at the same yeah, time? Yeah, you flash a light. Beep, beep. Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah. But I think he means if you were to use a device, is there a way to use a device to uh, communicate with accomplices without it being yeah. able to be intercepted? Yep. Yep. Yeah, there are. I already knew. That. Yep. Absolutely. There, there are apps out there that uh, truly don't save messages at all, period, point blank, ever. And you can send messages and receive them and they automatically delete and they do not have a database of those messages. Yep. Yeah, Ian, that's a that's a good point. But I think that the media in the courtroom kind of can cause some issues and that affects the public and the people from being able to see it. Because like we saw in Lori Daybell's trial, like we're seeing in this one, they're alleging the media is like focusing on him or, you know, doing something they don't like. So if you just take the people out of the equation, right. then we all get to see it and the media can stop messing up the transparency. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's it all been no messed room. up because of them. Yeah, it's them. It's yeah. not us. I don't think. I mean, part of it might be because <laughs> they don't like I mean, that crotch shot. That was a normal picture that somebody on Twitter zoomed in on and correct. Cropped. Absolutely. So, I mean, that is kind of other people doing messed up stuff, but people are going to do that. People are going to do that. And I think what would make our justice system more trustworthy and reliable again is 24-7 cameras in the courtroom, except for certain cases like uh, underage. I don't think that's ever appropriate. Or if uh, if there's some kind of like someone's in witness protection, okay? turn off the video and just leave the audio on for that time. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of other ways to manage this without uh, fully taking stuff away. And exactly Riddler. And yeah, Regina, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Hurry and yep. finish. I'm going to grab it. Okay. Uh, I think Annie Elise was the first to put that tag to BK. I know you like her, but after the Papa Rogers thing, I just can't watch her videos anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, I really, we really do appreciate all content creators. I, I content creators make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. Um, you know, I, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? And everybody's different. Everybody's going to look at a case a little bit different. Um, and, you know, it's no big deal if you don't like her, don't want to watch her or, you know, something bothered you. Because I've definitely done that with content creators in the past. Like, okay, one time there was this one girl that I was watching her channel and she did like lots of crafty things. And she said this thing about animals like she had no emotional connection to animals like she could see one dying in the street and she would not stop to help it and she wouldn't lose sleep. Like, like just it, it was the way she said it. I was like, whoa, 
I don't know if I want to support this channel anymore. Like, because she went into great detail about it, about her disconnect from animals and really not liking animals. And I was like, girl, you could be like a serial killer. <laughs> so, I mean, I've, I've definitely felt things like that before yeah. with content creators. But uh, as far as true crime content creators, I, I honestly haven't seen too many that I don't like. You just have to realize that people are going to make mistakes. Yeah. And have opinions we won't agree with. The knife sheath, of course. Exactly. That's the point. DNA is always, and a knife sheath is always going to get people's attention. Always. That's That was our point, you know, is like DNA has been ingrained into us to be well, exact. In my opinion, they learn from their mistakes from Dr. Moore if. If this is a couple cops, untrustworthy cops, which we know there are a couple in there that are part of the Brady Giglio drama, right? They they haven't been confirmed. Like, it's not like we have court documents saying, hey, yes, this Brady is these two guys. But what else could it be? You know what I mean? Um, we know there's open investigations into these officers. We know for a fact that their case has been overturned. We know for a fact that Dr. Moore has uh, a lawsuit currently opened against them. Um, so like it, it has to be them. Okay. And what's interesting is DNA was not involved in the Dr. Moore case, but everything else that we're seeing from the Idaho four case was identical in the Dr. Moore case. Identical. It was. And exactly, Dara and Lisa. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, I don't think he was the DoorDash driver either, but it would have been a more credible alibi unless there's something else getting in the way that we just don't know. Exactly, Marietta. Uh, I said the same thing. I do not believe that the Dickies could have been used to to keep DNA out. No and way. I don't know if you were on here when we were joking about getting Dickies and doing a video where, you know, whatever gets thrown on on me and and showing how they soak in, but they do they are not resistant, you know. They are not resistant. American Princess, I know the next Coburger court hearing was delayed because he, apparently BK or something is ill and they didn't say how he's ill, but um, it's whatever the next court date is. I thought he was supposed to talk about it, but I don't know. It's kind of up in the air, isn't it? Um, yeah, I found that out recently too, Regina, that BK, BK's interview was Zoom, literally just now. <laughs> uh, good night and... Have a great night. Good night. Um. Yes, Bon Bon. Hit that like button, you guys. It helps us out a ton mm -hmm. as we grow. Illuminati you, Masons confirmed. You know what's really cool, you guys? I don't know if you guys have have seen this or noticed this, but you know, the the whole I would say. So we started doing content creation last December and we did um we did politics with true crime and uh I forget what the other story is but it was like a mixed podcast show or whatever and it didn't catch a lot of traction and we liked true crime the most anyways like we we're spending all of our time on true crime and just 
halving everything else. Um, but when we went full-time true crime, which was two months ago, we all of our subscribers came from that time. So we've been averaging like a thousand subs a month. Well, more than that, because we're over 3000. It's been like 1200 to 1400 a month in subscribers. And last month we did a uh, hundred. I have strange eyes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last month we did uh, like 125,000 views, which is phenomenal. It's, absolutely amazing and we're gonna keep doing everything we can to bring good content for you guys oh you don't know a content creator named annie i wasn't talking about annie okay when i was talking about the animal thing which i didn't i don't even remember that creator's name that was several years ago but um yeah it was it, it really freaked me out and grossed me out and i was like i am done with you and I, that's the only content creator I've ever done it to ever where I was just like, I love this channel. Now I literally cannot stand to see her face. I literally blocked her channel. Yeah. I support all content creators. Yeah. It was just, I don't know if I told you about that. The girl that was talking about how she like didn't like animals and wouldn't help one if it were dying and like, but she had like a craft channel. Yeah, and I don't know. it was super. Weird. I support all creators. So do I. I do too. Oh, Riddler, you're a 33 degree Scottish right Mason. So can you tell us the secrets? What are the secrets that you learn at your 33rd degree? Dude, there are no secrets. I've walked through Mason temples. I've I've sold that directly to them. I mean. They so, don't, so you think they just post the secrets on the wall? So there are no locked doors or anything like that. That doesn't what, matter. I mean, if you if you know the supposed stuff that they do with rituals and all this stuff, I think that does matter because there was nothing weird in there. It was a hangout with like a, a pool table and a bar and some older dudes just chilling. I mean, I guess that could still be secret stuff, but... I, it didn't look like it to me. It didn't look like humans were being sacrificed on an altar underground to, you know what I mean? I didn't see anything like that. Nothing. Yeah. It all looked like completely standard normal stuff that you would see at any, uh, you know, moose lodge, elk's lodge, like something like that, you know. And a couple of these temples were massive. Yeah, I, I don't. There's some channels out there, obviously, if they're doing harm, like, I'm not going to support them, but. Yeah, N no, I, my cutoff is if you're hurting people. Yeah. Or animals. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how anybody could ever not like animals. So, um, okay. I thought this was interesting. What happens at the Moose Lodge stays at the Moose Lodge. <laughs> right? The Moose Lodge is literally right around the corner from um, the corner club. So we we played this. And there is no camera on the outside of the Moose Lodge. I looked hard. Yeah. Onision's a great example. When there is a test, either that they have to do unique, they have to go out of state, they have to do it a second or third time, or it's inconclusive, those are little items, little, little catchphrases that defense attorneys use to see if there's reasonable doubt there. Now, 
again, it's got to be taken in comparison to all the other evidence, but certainly a defense team has to be pretty happy that that test did not come back positive to Koberger's DNA on it, for example. So yeah, it's something they're going to look at. So that's super interesting because so many people argue the fact that ISP didn't ISP did find DNA on the knife sheath. However, when you're looking at some of the experts from around that time frame that had been communicating closely with people on the account and 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 or on the account on on the case, um, they're talking like they didn't find anything. That's a big deal. Hey, Rumsey. That's a big deal. Yeah. I think that's a huge deal. And if I was Hi, the, Rumsey. And if if uh if I was the prosecution, I would be nervous looking at that DNA evidence in that way too. And the reason why is if your if your investigators or your um your lab isn't skilled enough to find DNA on a knife sheath and you had to send it out of state to find that DNA, then why should we trust any of the evidence they processed? Because new technologies this lab supposedly had that find it better? I don't know. Uh didn't you say they use a little vacuum to suck up the little cells? That's what I heard. That's what I heard. That That is what... Vacuums are new technology. Yeah. Makes sense. I think vacuums that are small enough to suck up cells is new technology. If it's that tiny, which this may sound really dumb, how, like, what... Would it have to be tiny? No. What what it would have to be... How does it capture the cells? Does it go through some kind of filter? Like, literally... like That's a, what I was going to say. It, was ha it would have to have some kind of airtight... Or not airtight, but... Um, Cell-sized tight filter on it that would catch anything that came through while still letting the air filter through it, you know? So, do you think... Okay. So say Brian Koberger's the guy, okay? Obviously, he wore gloves. He for sure wore gloves to the crime scene. Yeah. If it's him, he did, 100%. So do you think that he would make that mistake of, like, messing with the knife sheath without gloves prior to the crime? Oh, like, if he bought it, you know, went, bought it somewhere, acquired it somewhere. Do you think he would have touched it without gloves and then wiped it down and then went to do the crime with gloves? And then there's just that little bit left under the button snap. Yes, I do. And I know there are a lot of people out there and I, I'll get to what you said here in Firefly in just one sec, because that's interesting. And I want to know more because I don't know anything about that stuff. Um, uh, but, um, Exactly. I think that a lot of content creators that see fun funky stuff going on here in this case look at look at the DNA and automatically write it off. I think so many content creators I watch are like, 
oh, whatever. Like that, there's no way that DNA, somebody placed it there. Somebody put the sheath there. Somebody did this. Somebody did that. There's no way his DNA was there. And in real life, it doesn't work like that. It, it, they, You can't go into court and you're not going to see the defense throw up their hands and say, there's just no way. It, it doesn't work like that. It got placed there. They're going to have to explain it. And I think the placement of that DNA being under the button actually leans into the favor of the prosecution in this situation that there was no other DNA there except for on the button. Therefore, what probably happened is he was DNA conscious and at his house prepping for the crime. He wiped everything down, used a solvent that he had pre-existing knowledge of that would uh, remove any DNA evidence, but couldn't get underneath the button snap. There was enough DNA that wedged itself underneath the button snap that he couldn't get to during cleaning when setting up to do this crime. I think that is a real storyline with real worth to it that the defense really has to. Yeah. Did I just drool? I think I just drooled <laughs> that the defense really has to deal with in this situation because yeah. I see that as being a real theory. I mean, so it sounds like whoever committed this crime, if we are to believe Dylan's statement, they were wearing a full, like, almost like, think of like a ski mask, like full mask, you know, that goes over your head and just this was showing. That's it. This part of his face. Everything I've... else was covered. I've heard all kinds of stuff, but yeah. That's what it says in Dylan's statement. Yeah, that... that... That just the eyes were showing, but we've also heard rumors of it being a COVID style, the, the, uh, the doctor's masks, the doc, the surgeon masks or whatever. And, uh, so Firefly says that that vacuum process uses water, which that makes sense. That's super interesting. I would love to see that. But do you know when they when they took stuff from Brian Koberger's parents' um, house, they said they found a mask. Funny, not funny. You guys, tell me what they're called because I don't think they're ski masks. They're called something else. I forget what it is. But yeah, they they're found, ski masks. They found one at his parents' house. They said that was similar to the one used in the crime. Okay. So Here, that's how. That's why I don't believe the COVID mask thing. Because they said in that search warrant that it was similar and they cited something that was like a ski mask. Yeah, like that. Yeah, so that's what I think most people are envisioning. Is like this. Because I think if it was the other kind like this, you wouldn't be seeing eyebrows. No. You wouldn't. Yeah. That well, just look, looks right there. That just looks like someone who wants to party, you know? Yeah. What? Why did they do that? Whoa. Fuzzy ones. What? I don't know. It's strange. Oh, a ba a balaclava. A balaclava? That's what it's called? It's distressed tassel. 
distress ski distressed tassel cool ski mask hip hop windproof knit hat unisex beanies elastic cold proof balaclava for men and women that's the name why not just call it a ski mask why we got to make a complicated name like balaclava i i don't know that sounds like uh, a russian. different language sounds yeah sounds like russian yeah wait did we ever go over the new documents um yeah we did that night there's a ninth supplemental request for discovery posted today stipulated motion okay. to file defendants exhibit order to file defendants. hold on exhibit. guys what's the protective order for did we go over the protective order yesterday No, we didn't go over the medical files. Uh, yeah. We did? We talked about the medical files briefly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. We didn't pull it up, though. It's like an honorable mention type thing. Hold on, Brian Koberger. Balaclava is Russian. Thanks, Michael. My ski mask has eyebrow cutouts, so is it that? <laughs> it's like separate eyebrow cutouts? So you're saying it's like eyebrow, then fabric, and then eyeballs? <laughs> That's super funny. Yeah, uh, listen, if... If the story, what you're saying, Riddler, look, like I said in the beginning, I I truly want Brian Koberger to be the guy, you guys. I want him to. But to not question things, I think, is a crime against humanity, you know? I know there's this idea, this perception that our justice system should be believed wholeheartedly and i do and i offer that respect but that doesn't mean okay so it in people management there's this term that everybody uses when you're in in people management and you're hiring people and training people and firing people uh everybody in every company in corporate america will talk about uh trust but verify okay uh, always trust, but verify, I trust you. I just need to see it. Okay. And I feel like that is the approach everybody should have with every system out there, whether it's part of our justice system, whether it's a police department, whether it's politicians, whether no, no, no matter who it is, anybody and everybody trust, but verify. And that's where a lot of these questions come from in this case is okay. Trust you. We got it. We hear the story and, and see how it could be realistic, but let's verify, right? I feel like that's the basis of our justice system, along with the fact that it should be public knowledge in my opinion, um, to best serve the public. Was Ian on here when I drooled? Hopefully you can catch that. Maybe I didn't. So if he didn't purchase it brand new, he bought it from a local person or business, but there's no evidence of that. Brennan makes a good point. Yeah. 
you know, we even saw that we pulled up something last night, Rumsey. I don't know if you were here, but it's an uh, axe throwing place that's really close to the corner club. Um, and I think they said it was like, was it 0.4 miles or something like that? Yep. But we pulled up pictures of this group, this veterinarian group that had like a co-worker type mm -hmm. thing you yep. know what i mean there and they all went axe throwing and there's this guy standing in the back holding up a k-bar and they offer throwing knives too so like what if somebody I don't know stole if that it was from a there a bar i know that it's a cool story that i said just... i was gonna call and i i i should i should totally call and ask if that place does offer cable oh jeff just, says you could chip a fingernail opening the button snap it's that hard so that's good to know oh, that's yeah. really good to know um now going to what you were saying is i know we looked at that picture i personally don't believe it's a k-bar because the hand guard on it was way too long dude it was like massive it was stuck out so far like this far and a k-bars is not like that yeah, it did stick out really far. Um, so Riddler, exactly. They said the same thing about Ed Humphrey and the Danning Rolling case that they had so on. Well, the Gainesville Ripper, you know, it yeah. was Danny Rolling that did it. But Ed Humphrey was falsely charged. Oh, that's a good Dude, example. The, yes. The pictures of him, like everybody Here, was set on him quick. being the killer because of the way he looked. Yeah. And it's and really the, sad. And he had mental health issues and he freaked everybody out. So they were like, no, he's got to be the killer. Here, I'll show everyone. If you guys haven't watched this, you should watch it. It's really good. And Riddler right here is the one who suggested it to us. And I think there is some relevant information in it for somebody that, whether it's Koberger, whether it was somebody else, I think that they, um, they took some inspiration from the Gainesville Ripper. And what's interesting is the Gainesville Ripper took inspiration from Bundy. Uh, and he says it word for word that I want to admit to the crimes uh, so I can be remembered like Bundy literally says that. So, um, but what ended up happening first was this guy here. Oh, shoot what sorry sorry we are gonna talk the gainesville okay oh ripper where are you at buddy right here okay so this guy was arrested for over a year right he was in jail for over I think a year. He was incarcerated for about a year. Yeah. Cause even once they had Danny rolling, they were still holding this guy. Yeah. And everyone came forward because of how he looked. And, and like some of the comments were he, he has to be, he looks really creepy and he creeps us out and we totally know it's him, you know? And also once they had Danny rolling and they found evidence that pointed away from him, they were like, okay, well, that's probably just because he has an accomplice. Yes. So they wouldn't let just, it go. Right. He just has an accomplice. That's why there's some evidence that points away from him. Obviously, it was him and somebody else. And that that's why I go back to trust but verify. We can give law enforcement and the justice system and everybody respect that's involved. I, I don't think it's disrespectful 
to verify. Um, I know some people find feel like it's disrespectful, but it's really not. I hope that people listen to us on here and uh, verify what we say. You know, I I'm not I don't know everything. I the one thing I know is that I don't know anything. You guys, you know what I mean? I, I don't know anything. So um, if anything, I see it as a as a form of respect. And I just feel like in any situation, it should be trust, but verify I, a man's life is on the line and not even just that. OK, so when I look at this situation, let's just pretend Koberger's innocent. OK, it would be really sad that he's sitting behind bars in the way that he is. But I am more scared that there is a maniac that is out there potentially that's scarier. You yeah. think that somebody who does a crime like this isn't going to do it again? Right. What? They will. They 100% will. At least with Brian's injustice, he's stuck alive behind bars somewhere, you yeah. know? By by having the wrong guy, we could potentially be signing the death warrant of somebody else. It's terrifying. Yeah. I, I do want him to be guilty and I don't feel like the I, I don't feel like the evidence is strong enough. Um we don't have another suspect, so obviously the scales are tipped his way because there's no one else at all. Yeah. You know, and we don't have we only have contradictory ev evidence that's word of mouth that's obtained through social media. Like we don't have anything solid. You yeah. know what I mean? And it, it's not that I want him to be guilty because of him. I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm just thinking about the impact on society in this situation. You know what I mean? It, it's not a personal thing. Like I look at him and ugh, I want him to be guilty that it's not like that. It's I hope the police did their job and, and got the right guy because it's terrifying in the other outcome. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, Michael. Due process is in danger, man. Yeah. And I would love to know what, so let's say Koberger's the guy, okay? Why did he... Hi, Kelly. So, Koberger's the guy. Why did he leave Dylan alive? What connection is there for for people that believe he's guilty? Help me out here. Yeah. So I think what most people who think he's guilty are going to say, which speak for yourself, obviously, is that he was just too he expended too much energy. He was tired. OK, but but. That statement made recently says that the killer and Dylan potentially saw each other. Hmm. What would make them go to Ethan and Zana's room and not Dylan's, you know? Or did the killer mistake Zana and Zana's room as Dylan, who just saw him? I don't think that could even be mistaked. I mean, I I don't know when your adrenaline is running hot at 150 percent and uh, you see somebody, but you don't have enough 
cap- mental capacity for it to register what they looked like, what their hair color was, and things like that? I think it could be. I don't know, man. I don't know that that's a mistake that could be made unless you didn't see who saw you and you just heard a door open. Yeah, but shut. you got to remember it's at night and it's dark and lights are off and things know like which that. Per- where they came from? If only if you know the house and the people in it. You were you're you're saying that he if he saw her. Yes. So this the recent statement says that the killer was upstairs that's not and Dylan recent. was downstairs and they somehow saw each other okay that's not recent that's I'm, the one I'm, from the past i'm following this idea line okay? okay so and they saw each other why choose to leave dylan and go into the other room i mean if she was downstairs then maybe i guess but still that doesn't make sense to me personally yeah, I don't I don't know how I, it could be mistaken. I don't think that you have enough mental capacity in a situation where your adrenaline is running so high that you're going to be able to remember like what someone's hair color is, what they looked like, their eyes, things like that. I don't think that matters. Like, so are you saying that he saw her went and killed somebody else and was coming back and was like, oh, I don't remember which room that was. Why wouldn't he just kill her on the spot while she's looking at him? I don't know. That's what I'm trying to understand and figure out. Why make the decision to go in one room and not the other? I don't know. I feel like it either... I think that's an important question. It either has to be exhaustion or it has to be... um, They knew her. They knew her. Yeah. And there could be involvement or they knew her and their their beef wasn't with her. Uh, I worry about yeah. Ellie's investigative process now. It looks like they're digging until they can find enough coincidence to weave something like when people see Jesus in a potato chip. Yes, that that's my concern, too. Um, yeah, I will, Bon Bon. I'll do it. I'll, I'll buy the Dickies tomorrow, okay? Wow. I'll, we'll do it. Lisa, I'm sorry about that. That's terrible. But that Oh my gosh. But if they were stabbed in the chest and it punctured a lung, it's possible they couldn't scream, which I don't know if that's what you're getting at, but yeah. That's one thing that I've never had happen to me. Out of all my inner in- injuries and accidents and and everything that I've had, um I've never had a lung punctured. That sounds terrifying. <clears throat> When your lung punctures, does it automatically fill with fluid, like blood? I think so. I believe okay. so. But because I, I know, I think it kind of depends a little bit. I had a buddy that uh, that got got punched in the ribs, so they were in a fight and got punched in the ribs, and ribs broke and punctured the lung internally, so there was no external damage other than bruising and swelling. And uh, he slowly felt like he couldn't breathe, but uh, I'm I'm sure that's different than having an external item puncture all the way through to internally. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's different because yeah. there was still skin covering it and things like that. Yeah, and and what I mean by this, uh, Allie, I get people not wanting him to be guilty. I understand that. But I want him to be guilty because if he is right, 
if he is innocent, we have some major, major, major problems. Yes. And there's still a killer out there, which is terrifying. That's yes. the only reason I want it to be that way. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, if I were in the jury, like I said before, I would lean towards innocence because of reasonable doubt. With the current. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to convict him to the DP with this evidence that we have. That's just what we have right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Je Jeff, that's, I'm glad you said that, but. One thing that I always try and highlight with this is if I was arrested, uh, depending on how each person is personally, right, I, I tend to look at things very linearly. So like I do even the most mundane, stupid tasks in a, a pre-decided fashion in my head, right? So when it's something so serious and severe like this, I would look at this case that if I was in it and think, okay, step by step, right? My number one most important goal is not to prove to everyone I'm not guilty. It's getting out of this situation I'm in. So what helps me the most in getting out of this situation I'm in and uh, staying silent is probably the best thing to do to get out of this situation currently because it the prosecution has stated multiple times that why isn't brian giving us his uh his uh what he was his um god i can't find the word right now his alibi so why isn't brian giving us his alibi and they tried to make it look like you know it, it's because of guilt this that the other whatever like like someone that was guilty, you think that they would feel some some justice, some reason that they needed to be honest, right? Which I always thought that was a catch twenty two, where they're trying to lean on the fact that he didn't didn't tell them could mean that he's guilty. But I think a guilty person would just lie anyways, right? So, um, but yeah. I don't think I answered my original statement, but I forgot what it was. <laughs> yeah, I know, Riddler. That's crazy. The Ramses were indicted by a grand jury and weren't arrested. But yeah, I understand the point, you guys, of killers not leaving witnesses, but leaving accomplices. I, I understand that, but I think there are other explanations that are possible. I just find it very odd to not clear the house and I think if we take Koberger out of that question, you know, and and we just speculate on a killer, whoever it could be, why would they skip that room? Oh, good vibe lights is most likely how Dylan saw BK, but prevented Dylan from being seen. Uh Actually, I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, 
I'm just saying my opinion, you know? That's me personally. Yeah, the, the reason why I want him to be guilty, I know I said this just a minute ago, is because I want the police to have done their job the right way. Yeah. And um, there's problems in this case no matter what. it does. It, there's no one that could make me feel like that this was handled like most other cases are. Uh, and, and part of that reason I also understand could be because of the extreme secret gag order, giving nobody anything, trying to take ca uh, cameras out of the courtroom. I understand how that, that can make me feel that way too. And I get it. Um, but I, we don't normally see cases handled like this. Um, and part of the reason why I'm, my BSO meter is up even more right now is because we know for a fact two of the people that have been confirmed to be fraudulent police in the Dr. Moore case uh, are involved in this case as well. So I think that that anything that they're involved in deserves extra sc scrutiny. And an example of what I mean is if a judge all of a sudden, let's say a judge has a hundred cases that they've seen and then they find out that that judge is bought by uh, a crime family, right? When that judge gets fired, the first thing that they do is go back and look at all of their cases again to find out if they were handled fair, right? And I think that's a really fair way of looking at it. Now, with these police officers that were involved in Dr. Moore, there is proof that they staged evidence that they broke the law in uh, the, the interrogation, that they ignored Miranda rights when he asked for a lawyer multiple, multiple, multiple times, lied and said that they had all this evidence against him and got a confession, but then only brought the confession to the courtroom. Um, so knowing all that, makes me look at anything they're involved in, like the example of the judge, in the same way, right? You know that this is a dishonest person that doesn't have some kind of um, drive for justice and fairness that we would all hope our police would have in them. We know they don't have that because of this situation over here. So why would we expect to see that behavior in this case? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, you know, I forgot what I was going to say, actually. Yeah. I was stuck on that comment about stop saying you want him to be guilty because you're scared. I don't. I think look, they were probably I, halfway joking. Uh, Yeah, but I feel like some people take that as like, I, I don't know. I feel like it's the emotional part of everything. And I'm not literally scared. It's that it is scary to have a killer on the loose, okay? It just is. Like, I fear for those people in that town or in that area because we have that list of crimes, okay? Your list. But also, the implications of that are super messed up. Like, Depending I, I, on the for, reasoning behind the fact that he could be innocent, right. yes. So if, if he ends up being innocent, doesn't that doesn't mean 
that there's a dirty justice system, that there's a conspiracy going on. It could mean that somebody messed up, right? And they got tunnel vision like we've seen police do for the last five decades or more in multiple cases and situation like what's on the screen right now with Edward Humphrey, a perfect example of that. Or it could mean that there were one or two officers that were dirty and part of Brady Giglio, or it it could be something completely different. Well, my point also is how many people are affected by that? A man, we go through all of this. The families, the victims' families go through all of this just for him to be innocent. Think about how much time has been invested, how much money has been spent all of this time. Yeah. Just for him to be innocent. And and say he is truly convicted but innocent, and then he it gets appealed and he wins and gets, you know, exonerated later on like Dr. Moore. Oh my gosh, then where are we at? How are we going to find who did this? Like just the implications of that are awful. Yeah. I think that you're right. Nobody wants that. Not a single person wants that. No, I don't think they do want that. Yeah, we've seen some stuff on Stickergate, (laughs) but we haven't looked into it super hard. I I don't think anybody wants that. Um, I think that more importantly, though, that decision could put more people at risk. I mean, honestly, and, and people might look at this and feel some type of way about it, but the victim's families, I want justice for them. But in a situation where Koberger's not the guy, I'm more scared for potential more victims not the families, because unfortunately, that crime happened and they lost their loved one. And there's nothing that can happen to change that. You're right. Right. And uh, they they deserve justice. They 100 percent deserve justice. But if I can prevent somebody else from becoming a victim, that would be my number one goal. That would be my number one goal. Right. Yeah. So. Koberger, as a person, for me, isn't even what's important here. He could be another victim if he's innocent. I get it. I understand that. And that is a horrible, horrible, horrible idea. Um, But first, we need to find out if he's really guilty or not from a justice system that is trustworthy, thorough in their investigation, has enough evidence to make a jury truly believe he's guilty not through manipulative tactics like uh character assassination and then handle justice in that way yeah i just that's why i want him to be guilty though yeah me too because i don't want more victims out there yeah and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But um, do you want to dig into those documents now? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What? Ninth. There was somebody on here the other day that said... Uh, 
that it's common for there to be eight or nine supplemental requests for evidence. Um, and I do not believe that. I was trying to look it up and uh, I was trying to find examples of that and I couldn't find examples of that. That is not common. I think what's important here is that the the reason for these uh, supplemental requests for discovery is that it's not nine separate requests here. It is for the same stuff. It, right. It's the same evidence that they're not getting. Correct. It's yeah. the same evidence that they've asked for from the beginning, not nine separate. Hey, by the way, I know that we asked for this evidence that you gathered on September 1st, but this is a different request for the evidence that you gathered on September 2nd. Here's a third one for the evidence that you gathered on the third. Here's a fourth one on the fourth. That That's not it. This is, hey, we've asked, and here's evidence of that. I'll just go into the evidence of it, okay? So do you guys remember when they asked for the video footage that the police had gathered for the scene and law they responded with where's my example they responded with a picture a picture of a disc not a disc not a file they gave the defense a picture of a disc and said yeah Here's your evidence right here. And they gave him a photo of the evidence. Which actually didn't show them anything because it's of a disc. Yeah. The evidence is on the disc. That's Just like, to state the very obvious. That's like if Malia asked me to get her a Celsius drink, like I was going downstairs and I took a picture of one and came up and was like, here's your Celsius drink. <laughs> What? <laughs> that is so stupid. Stop playing games, man. And, and, you know, I did hear some people arguing that this is the defense throwing the kitchen sink. Like, and then and just trying to see what sticks or whatever that freaking term is. I've heard that multiple times from the same pe person, okay? And I'm not going to, like, just call them out. Throwing a kitchen sink? Yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you throw the kitchen sink and see see what sticks. It's I don't know. It's something. No, I've never heard that. Whatever. Maybe who, I'm saying it wrong. Who throws kitchen sinks? I will at your face. <laughs> I don't think you could pick one up. Yes, I could. No. <laughs> I just probably couldn't throw it. <laughs> but I don't think this is them just trying to throw things at the wall and see what sticks. Like, I don't know how you could even think that about this. Well, because they're asking for the same thing over and over and still not getting it. <laughs> yeah. And, and here's the important part for <laughs> that. Woo. Thank yes, you. Yes, Ian, prisoner will, of the chat. I'll send you one in Discord. <laughs> yes. Yeah, here. Uh, can I post pictures on this chat? I don't think I can. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Ian's prisoner of the chat. What what you guys don't know is that we forced him to send that because he's the prisoner of the chat. 
He should change his his uh, profile picture to, to the, the prisoner. prisoner picture. Yeah. <laughs> it's still his same picture, but just with bars and prisoner. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from California, too. He gets no sympathy. <laughs> yeah, but you're not from Southern California. Southern California people get more. I lived in San Diego longer. Then, then I what? lived in Northern California. Oh. I lived in San Diego longer than I lived in Northern California. I think California. the rule is you have to be there at least a decade to be considered like a local. Well, between the two times <laughs> I lived there, I lived there probably like six years total. Well, that's so not a rule, but because I said it in the way that I did, you're like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> Okay, so I don't feel like I need to go over this. You guys got it, right? This is the same thing that we've seen for the other seven times. Um, and it is with a, a note on here that the undersigned pursuant to Rule 16 of the Idaho Criminal Rules, the 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, or 6th, 8th, and 14th Amendment of the Constitution uh, request discovery and inspection of all, of all, okay? This is why it's a problem. Is this not going to let me highlight? What? Okay, whatever. it didn't let you last time either. Discovery and inspection of all material discoverable by defendant. So that that's the rule. That's supposed to be the rule, okay? So wait. That was it? You didn't even scroll down. There was nothing down. That was just signatures. That's just a request for discovery. It was only two pages? Mhm. Mm oh. Yep. Yep. I wasn't paying attention. So um, this is in the district court of the second uh, uh, state of Idaho versus Brian Koberger stipulated motion to file exhibit H attached to the defendant's ninth supplemental request for discovery under the seal. Now. Comes now Brian C. Koberger by and through his attorney and C. Taylor, public defender, and hereby moves the court for an order to file Exhibit H of the defendant's ninth supplemental request for discovery. Okay, better. Oh, we can see you now. J. Ray, why? Where, was something wrong? Yeah, something was glitching out on her end. Thankfully, you are here. Yes. Um. Okay. This motion is made pursuant. Oh. This motion is made pursuant to ICAR 32-1-2-D-E-I-C-74-124. And because the documents contain facts or statements that might threaten or endanger the life or safety of individuals, it is necessary to preserve the right to a fair trial. Disclosure would constitute unwarranted invasion of per personal privacy. So uh, that that's what we saw with the other ones, too. I think we've read the last three, and that's them just saying, hey, we need this, but we need this privately, you know. The court having before it the defendant's stipulated motion to file Exhibit H attached to the defendant's ninth supplemental request for discovery under seal and good cause appearing now. So, okay. 
I yep. want to see the medical record thing because I don't sure. believe we pulled that up. And you should zoom in a couple times so it's bigger. Okay. Uh, where's the medical? What? It was from yesterday. Uh, Where? I think it was the protective order. Okay. Here. Up here. I think it's the next one that's more important, but here. We'll see. Oh. We are we are sharing it, right? No. Oh, Brendan. <laughs> he did it. <laughs> he did it. All right, here's the medical one. Gosh, I don't like that I can't highlight. Is there a setting I can That's lame. Okay. Come now the state of Idaho by and through the Lataw County prosecuting Attorney and the above named defendant by and through his undersigned attorney of record and hereby stipulate to the entry of a protective order regarding third party medical records contained in the following discoveries folders, AV, yada, yada, yada. This stipulation limits access to direct review by defense counsel, investigators and retained experts. And any further dissemination or use of the reference medical records would be prohibited absent a specific court order or further stipulation of the parties. The parties recognize that further dissemination or use may require redaction prior to their dissemination or use. Good night, Jeff. In all other respects. Good night, Jeff. Glad you were here. You always bring really good input to the table. Um, in all other respects, the provisions of the aforementioned prior order shall remain in full force and effect. So this, this is obviously just... Uh, Go to the next one, though. The actual protective order. Okay. Share. Zoom. Whoa. Does that cut off any text? Okay. The above matter having come before the court upon stipulation of the parties and good cause appear appearing, it is hereby ordered pursuant to Idaho Criminal Rule 16 as follows. This protective order pertains to third-party medical records contained in discovery folders, yada, 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 in the above titled case. A protective order is hereby entered limiting access of those records to direct review by defense counsel, investigators, and retained experts, and any further dissemination or use of the reference medical records would be prohibited absent of specific court order or further stipulation of the parties. Okay, so is this a prosecution asking medical records to be like hidden? Who filed this? Yeah, go up. I think this is the judge signing the protective order. So go back to the last one i thought it was about brian but i guess i wasn't i didn't read the top to see if it was and filing it or you need to look at the last one i think e-filed okay 
e-filed, e-filed, and deputy attorney general e-filed. Okay, okay. So, gotcha. Yeah, this is the state. Go down to who signed it. Oh, no, it's Anne. Then why did it? Yeah, hang on. It says, come now, the prosecuting attorney. Okay, I'm confused. It's got to be. Why am I so confused right now? Do you guys know who filed that? I mean, it had to be, I guess, Anne. She signed it. So it's not the state. It's the defense, right? Right. So. What's weird, though? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So it it could be a couple things. Um, so the the defense technically already has access to these records. So I don't think it's the defense ordering them because the defense is Brian. They are a representation of Brian. And uh, with medical records. Brian can say, yes, uh, here is Ann Taylor who is allowed access to my medical records and nobody is allowed to stop that. You guys, nobody, because, uh, what's it called? Um, our rules for HIPAA. our med HIPAA because HIPAA trumps anything court related. It is the most utmost important aspect of like healthcare and things like that. Whereas Law enforcement can't just go get records. The court cannot just go get these records. With a warrant, they can. With a warrant, but they are taken very seriously. There has to be very, very, very serious rules, outlines, and regulations followed in order to get somebody's medical records. Most hospitals uh, don't 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 even uh, allow accepting of a request for medical records. They have to go through their attorney's office and that attorney then manages the uh, medical records. The only reason I know that is because I have family members that work in medical records and they helped create the system behind uh, the electronic medical record system that like when you guys go to a doctor, um, you know how they used to do everything on a piece of paper or whatever. Okay. What about this symptom or that symptom? Well, now everything's done on tablets or computers, but all those medical records went into a computer and is now shared nationally. Um, and those, those items can't be used or detailed or, or anything like that without a request beforehand. And there has to be a very good reason to pull that information too. Most judges just don't very easily sign off on uh court re on uh medical records. It's taken very serious. So why would Anne file this? I, I think it's a protective order. For whose medical records? Koberger's medical records. Yeah, but it's it, therefore then it says this stipulation limits access to direct review by defense counsel, investigators and retained experts. So literally anybody they're saying. Yeah. Nobody can look at these. Not even the defense. Is that what they're saying? Yeah. So. um, 
Nobody's asking for records. No, no, I don't think they're asking for records. I, I actually, uh, they're, they're protecting these medical records. So remember, in court, one side is not allowed to have evidence that the other side doesn't have. That is not allowed. If if uh, if the defense wants to bring in evidence, the prosecution legally has to have access to it. If the prosecution wants to bring in evidence, the defense legally has to have access to it. Whatever is brought into court, both sides have to have access to this. So what I think this is, is a protective order around his medical records. Uh, good night, Riddler. See you next time. Um, okay, but... Okay, Jewels of All Trades went into detail on one of these docs, and there was a point of stipulations in which they mentioned a co-defendant? That's interesting. We have them pulled up here, though. I don't see anything about a co-defendant. Mm -mm. Go back to the original docs, though. Which? No, over here. Which document? So, here, share. So the only two are these two here for the 17th. Um, no. There is the 12th. Yeah, these other ones are media requests that don't have anything to do with Coburger. Oh, that's, that's not JLR. That's JRL. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe, it, maybe it is JLR. I don't know. But... But uh, but yeah, I believe someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's a protective order around the details of his medical records that I mean, clearly protective order. Right. I mean, it doesn't say they're asking for DMs records. So I, it's a protective order, meaning they don't want certain medical records looked at or used by anybody. Correct. Correct. It, it, it definitely isn't anybody asking for records. Maybe somebody asked for records and this the is them wanting, cause. wanting basically saying like, no, we don't want anybody using these. Correct. Go Correct. back to and what? In, in order to cut off because Brian's the only one who has control over his medical records. He's the only one period. Um, so if, in order for the prosecution not to be able to have access to those medical records in court, then uh, the defense has to not use those same records too. go back to what. But why does it not specifically say the state can't use the, use them because the state doesn't investigate because only police do or Is that why. Or no. Um, or it's just part of the protective order and the defense saying that they won't be using these records. So you're not getting these records. I don't know. It makes sense to me, but oh. understand I'm, I'm not an expert here. Oh, Rumsey has a good thought here. Um, where did it go? Is it his mental health records? possibly um it would be included in this like any health yeah. rec any medical records at all follow under they fall under hipaa always yeah yeah um and also i mean i don't think they would say mental health records they would just say medical, medical records. records yep yep correct and what's interesting is uh what's interesting is if i was the defense though i personally would want my medical records used to prove 
uh, you know, that I was doing what I was supposed to, unless the unless there's something in there that looks really bad for him. Hi, you Cynthia. Know? Yeah. Is there something in those that look really bad for him? Just mental health issues. I mean, everyone has mental health stuff, you know, everyone's gone through bouts of depression, understand how it feels, things like that. Um, so it, it, it must be something serious if the, the defense is submitting a protective order saying, hey, we're not using these. Bam, we're not using these, you know. Uh -huh. I would hope that they weren't trying to cover up the, the drug rehab because that's actually good for him um, to show that he got over those uh, unreliable behaviors, you know, and he is now in a doctorate program. It is JLR. Yeah. It's just the same thing we always see every time. Yep. Interesting. He did, Celtic. He did. JLR is, in fact, allowed to film. J just on that day. Yeah. Yeah. It's not allowed to film. It's allowed to have access to the right. footage right. of the single camera. Yeah. Butter says it has nothing to do with Brian. Um, so wh where are you seeing that from? H help me understand that. Because from, from my perspective... It looks like it does have to do with Brian unless uh, somebody's, but I mean, it's a protective order. So I, there probably wouldn't be any, anything suggesting that it could be one of the defendants. So um, you mean something along the lines of Dylan Mortensen's health records to discount the eyewitness statement? Is that is that what you're you're suggesting that it could be something like that? Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> I think JLR has good intentions. I have nothing bad to say about JLR. Um, he travels so much and the video on the ground is super good. And it's interesting seeing like on the ground footage of what's going on. Um, right. He's good people. He's going to be in the lottery pool for footage. Right. Bon Bon. Um, yeah. Brennan was just asking how you know that it has nothing to do with Brian. Like what, where do we have evidence of that? It, yeah. Is there anything in these documents that uh, that can lean on that evidence, you know, J just for talking purposes when we're talking about potential theories or ideas or things like that? I mean, there's been a lot of people to say a lot of things, you know, 
a lot of people have said a lot of things and sometimes they got it from sources and thought maybe it could be relied on and then find out it couldn't be. Um, like I said, content creators are going to make mistakes. They yeah. are. And JLR does work hard, Cynthia. He definitely does. And he yeah. definitely did turn his life around. Same as Koberger, which I feel like, you know, they take a lot of the media takes that addict angle like it's such a horrible thing. He was an addict, but it's clearly obvious he turned his life around. He got yeah. sober and he literally was going for a PhD. You that know, is incredible. You know what's super funny is you guys know my opinion here, right? Where I feel like I've said it a lot. So the way that I look at and handle things in life is uh, I believe most people and a lot of times you'll hear me say 99% of people make decisions thinking they're doing the right thing. They're doing a positive thing. They're doing a good thing. It is really common that like even a lot of times police officers that we see uh, set up a crime scene believe they're doing it for the right reasons. Well, somebody wrote a comment and was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this guy saying that he believes most people do things for, for the right reasons. Has he ever seen an addict before? I was like, oh, that is a rough way to look at things, you know? Yeah. I mean, addiction's a mental health condition. That's mm -hmm. not something you could or should lean on as uh, an example. Yeah, right. Right, Allie. Like, exactly. And that was a funny comment. I thought I w had never made a mistake, but I was mistaken. <laughs> um, I honestly know nothing about JLR's background. I know many I don't people either. have said that, you know, he has a, a crazy background. Some stuff happened or something like that. Um, but I, I don't know nothing about it. Yeah, he, he, he I can see that. I can see people thinking he's odd. Um, and I... But I mean, what does that mean? You know, I'm yep. I'm kind of odd, <laughs> you know, like weird isn't necessarily a bad thing. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to like talk crap on him or anything because he does work hard. Yeah. And even if he has done made mistakes and he is a felon or anything like that, it doesn't necessarily mean he's still that. Yeah. Yeah. And if he is still that, well, at least he has good boots on the ground coverage, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. But, but, like, the media, I feel like, commits fraud. Mainstream media lies. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't expect much more from anyone else. I just, I take everything with a grain of salt and then verify. Yeah. You no, know what I mean? It, that's exactly what I was saying earlier is... uh I, I don't think life is as simple as just looking at people and, and saying something like, well, you know, are they telling the truth or are they lying? Um, it's not so simple as that. I, I don't think we should be looking at anything is, as in, it, are they telling the truth or lying? You, you take what anyone says, right? And you take it with respect um, and you verify it, no matter what it is, right. you know, trust but verify. I listen to what you're, we do all have a past. Trust me. Yeah. And I like OJ the cat too. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he is weird, but to be fair, I'm pretty weird too. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, we, we aren't associated with JLR or Harsh. We we just appreciate them as content creators. Yeah. E even JLR. I so when we when we plan on covering topics, you guys, we do a lot of investigating. We try and get an understanding of what the ground looks like. We try and understand what happened to uh what the suspect did, what happened to a victim, things like that. And a lot of times it's super helpful with that footage of boots on the ground, you know? Yeah. I, I don't, the, I, I'm not going to get caught up in like, just because we appreciate like most content creators, like that, that means we condone when they do something bad. That's going into like that whole cancellation type thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, is like just because you appreciated their content means you therefore condone all of the things they did in their personal no. life? Absolutely not. No, no. Absolutely I, we, not. We just had someone bring that up recently where um, someone left comments saying like, oh, I don't I don't understand how you can talk about uh, or or oh, no, no, no. They said, I don't understand how you can support truth and transparency in the way that you did because of, and they gave this big, long example. Um, and uh, truth and transparency has been nothing but nice to us. And uh, the content that I've watched has been really good content. And no matter what Lana has done in her past, in my opinion, that is on her. Her past doesn't concern me. The only thing that concerns me is how someone treats me and the content that they're making, you know, and I'm not co-signing bad behaviors. I, it's just not my business. You know, the, the way we're trying to run things here is like a business on true crime topics. So, uh, it, that stuff is just her business. I, I just don't think that it's up to me to dig into that, you know? Rumsey, did Brendan inspire to throw everything away in your house? <laughs> yeah, it is okay to not like someone. I agree, Amanda, but not okay for independent creators to blast other creators. Exactly. That's what we're not trying to do. We're not trying to blast anybody and start drama. Yeah. Drama is the opposite of what we want here. Yeah. That's why we support all content creators, all of them, you guys. It's like, you know how many insane artists there have been out there? Just insane, dude. They did amazing pieces of art that pieces of art that's timeless, that will last forever. And now that we have pictures and the internet, like their art will be around forever. But them as people, they're complete psychos. They're complete hacks, dude. You wouldn't want them anywhere near you. But what they're creating is something important. And I think content creation is a very similar way. The things that are being said, the uh, content that's being made, the topics that are being talked about, I think that's all really important regardless of what somebody does when the camera's off. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to shout out creators. And still talk about ourselves. 
We'll do both. Yeah. We want the true crime community to uplift each other. That's what, that's the positive vibes we want to bring. We yeah. want to uplift everybody. We want, we don't want to have beef or drama. Like, I feel like this mm -mm. is really not the space for it. Yeah, no. And, and one, one thing with the talk show is uh, we do, we want to be able to talk about true crime as a whole. Right. And I think what true crime has turned into is uh, it's, it's turned into a major genre in the world, in the entire world, one of the leading genres in the world right now. And everything that's under that umbrella is the crimes, the, the communities on in Twitter, the communities on YouTube, the critical thinking aspects that help develop and spur new ideas and theories out there. And then you have people that are uh, experts in technology and, um, and, and researching and investigating online. And then they bring that to the content creators or create the content themselves. And it's this big ecosystem that's been created around true crime specifically. Uh, and, and there's, there just tends to be so much drama in all that. And we're trying to be the opposite. We, we want to support the entire ecosystem, the entire true crime community, the content creators, the, uh, the investigations. And <clears throat> I just believe there's no such, there are no topics that can't be talked about. Anything should be able to be talked about. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. It's all how it's done. Yeah. And Bon Bon, this case has totally divided the true crime community, which we don't like personally. It doesn't help us. It doesn't help anybody. And I like old YouTube. I, I literally started watching YouTube when it first started. When in the I like the the collaboration between channels. It, we're, we're not following anybody's in anybody's footsteps. There's not anybody else we've seen that's doing true crime talk shows. Like no, we, we're not we here. We're not here to preach evidence. We're here to create thought and have a conversation. Yeah, no one's doing anything so, like we are. So, um, and, and we want to uplift everybody. We want to talk about creators. We want to talk about the community. And we want to talk about the crimes. That's the goal here. Yeah. Um, and to have a conversation with you guys about it. Yeah. So, but yeah, exactly. We want to be civil with everybody. Uh, no drama can't be bothered with it <laughs> yeah yeah it it's not it's not worth it i think that a lot of people out there would especially if they're content creators want us to think that we're not original but let's be real like tr try and compare what we're doing to anybody else and it's the same with every other content creator content creation is so original it's the same thing as like a fingerprint and the rest of humanity you're not going to find the same thing out there you just aren't you know they're different opinions different ways of speaking different approaches uh different storylines different editing different audio there are so many different factors to it that uh, I don't think people could be similar even if they tried. You know, you would literally have to copy a content creator in order to be similar, in my opinion. But, um, 
you know, I, I feel like we've gotten a really good response. Everyone's been super awesome. And we love all of our viewers, everybody. And yeah. we love all content creators. And uh, we, we, whenever we bring up topics that some evidence that another content creator brought that deserves talking about, we, we just believe they deserve credit, you know, and, and we're going to keep talking positively about everybody. But. Yeah, and we appreciate that, Princess and Allie and Bonbon. Yeah. That's nice of you guys, and we appreciate the recognition. Uh, Gina, do you guys know if there's any validity to the knife receipt from Amazon? No. We haven't found any validity to it. We no. do know that there were receipts taken from the apartment, but that's it. Yeah. We don't know what they are. They haven't been shown to anybody. And yeah, you etched it in Rumsey's brain that she has to declutter. I listen. She's not materialistic. I'm one of those people that if if I move, if I sell a house and move, I'm just leaving everything. Thanks, Amanda. Everything. Yeah. I'm just going to I'm going to put on whatever pair of clothes I'm wearing that day and leave everything behind. Yep. And we appreciate that butter. I mean, yeah, we yeah. like that you're here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And we want all feedback, you guys. I Like I said, I'm a salesperson. There's nothing that can't be talked about. It's all in the approach, you know? Yeah. You can either tell someone like, ugh, that's gross. You, you're disgusting, you know? Or tell someone, ooh. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. Or you could say, ooh, I, I don't know if you should talk about that topic in this way, it, it, that's not helping you in, in what you're trying to explain. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's different ways of saying things, even though you're literally talking about the same thing. Uh, and we just try to be a good example of that out there, if that makes sense. Yeah. And Gina said, appreciate that about you guys, because honestly, it doesn't have a place in the true crime world. These are real lives and tragedies. And that's, very true. And there's our, we're talking about so many awful things, you guys. And I understand that people watch true crime as entertainment. And I think that's okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with being able to bring, uh, you know, our own personalities to the stage here and talk about the, the critical thinking aspects of these heinous crimes and learn and try and make connections and, and, and try and make Dots connect to uh, create change and furthering the investigation and not be able to bring costumes and character and have fun doing it. I, I just don't see a problem with those things. Yeah, exactly, Rumsey. And Allie, my name is Malia and this is Brendan. I think Ian already answered you. There we go. No way. Mile Higher had Coffin Daffer on. Oh my gosh. I loved Mile Higher for a long time. I just, I ended up not having enough time to watch. I haven't checked them out in a little while. You yeah, know, you just, good. I go back and forth with watching people. <clears throat> they're good. They're good. They I, are. I like their personalities. They're very evidence-based and right. not theory-based. And for me, like my mind goes a hundred miles an hour. I gotta be able to have some kind of theory going on in my head where while I'm listening, I can think of different possible outcomes and scenarios as I'm watching. You know what I mean? And uh, that theirs is just at a different pace. 
how does who know who? I I need to find out about the uh about the sheath. That is my biggest point of contention right now. And it was interesting because when I had thought about the sheath, I didn't realize that Blum, so according to journalist Howard Blum, police sent the knife sheath out of Idaho to be tested by a startup lab in Texas. Oh, yeah, Gatti definitely, um, you know, forwarded it to us. That's interesting about the frat guys. He can't fit into a medium. That's interesting. So I'm 5'10". And I will buy a medium. That's a that's a great thing to call out, to point out, too. Hmm. Right? Because he bought a medium. Interesting. Yeah. He probably wouldn't buy a medium for his dad. I would assume his, his dad looked bigger. Like, he wear a large. His dad? He looks tiny. He looks shorter, but he looks bigger around. I don't think so. His dad didn't look super skinny. He looks super small. Like, like a tiny older dude. Right. We're not here for the, the drama. We're here for, you know, the conversation and the true crime. But where's what? That's not as bad, is it? Yeah. Oh, that is. That's so sad. That's his dad. He's out there cleaning up their house after they got swatted. They got raided. Yeah. The dude looks like a medium large, I'm telling you. A large, in my opinion. But... I think it could be medium. Large. I. It depends on how short he is, is how much way it's going to give her on the waist, right? I'll, I'll buy a medium dicky suit, okay? And then we will get it all fake bloody, and then I'll return it with it still on it and see what happens. Yeah, I don't know how we know the size. CH Butter just said that. So we were going down that line of thinking, but I don't know. The, do, do we have a picture? So I think there was a statement made around the receipts from Pennsylvania that says that there was some kind of receipt that just says Dickies on it. And I do think it said medium, but I need to verify that. It's from the Pennsylvania uh, warrant or um, uh, whatever statement. Yeah, medium is another word for psychic. Dude, I think. But medium's also a size for clothing. <laughs> I wear oversized shirts too. Yeah, I think he would be a large. That's just my personal opinion. But, but it's a Dickie's bodysuit. So let's see how they run. How are you going to tell that without trying it on? You just need to go buy one so I can throw things at you. Yeah. We need to have, we need to do this. You guys need to harass him until he just goes and buys it. 
here. Uh, yeah, I was a bartender and also a wait waitress, then bartender for quite a long time, actually, when I was in my early 20s. And yes, I absolutely counted my money on the bed. Brian's dad is six foot five. For real? No way. He doesn't. He look doesn't look that tall to me. And when he's in a car next to Brian, he doesn't look that tall either. Yeah, but he's older. What? What does older have to do like, with? I don't know. Like, you know, like. No. Spines get messed up, like you kind of oh. slump over, oh. like so. I don't know if that means much. Oh, like if Brian ate at the restaurant and then like Maddie came home and counted her money on the bed, and then the knife she's on the bed and it gets a few skin cells, that kind of thing. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yep. Anybody who's a medium wears psychic clothing. Exactly. This doesn't go by medium large. So this is the basic one. Now, if I go to the newer cut one, so 55 long sleeve. Okay. Oh, it does. And it goes medium to large or XLRG? What? Regu regular. What? How can that even be possible? It can't be an XL regular? Yeah, it can. What? Just not long? Yeah. Okay. Long, long and tall. Not a great size chart when you have things like XLRG. Yeah, that's strange. So all they have is the XLR. Wait, press size guide again. Press it. Press it again. Okay. And they go to the top. What? Uh, what about it? Big and tall. Yeah. What about it? Some, but it, okay, but it's still an RG. Okay. Yeah, RG is just regular yeah. because they have the big and tall there, the tall and long or whatever. So if he bought a medium that was big and tall, would it say that or would it just say medium? I don't know. I guess I will maybe have to record a thought or record a, a video in Walmart tomorrow, I guess. Yeah. Looking at the sizes so I can put it in the video as we're talking about this. So remember how many of these there are, though. I'm literally, this is like a shot in the dark, you know. Flame resistant. Nope, out of stock. I'll record a video tomorrow. This one's 65 bucks. The one he bought was 50. Did he buy it around Christmas where he was getting a deal? Oh man, uh, I need these. It was before the crime. I need overalls. 
Why? To go commit a murder? No. Just because overalls are cool? I was just joking. Yeah, I totally liked bartending more, Lynn. Definitely. For sure. 39 coverall gray. Weren't his blue? It said blue dickies. I need to pull that record up. A scuba suit would be a kind of a good idea, but when you take it off, wouldn't it like splatter like it depends because it's stretchy and tight. Like it depends on what kind of suit. So, uh, because I I surfed um, and dove and uh, snorkeled and anything that you wear those suits for, there are waterproof suits that have a layer that does not let any water come in. Um, but most uh, most wetsuits are not waterproof. Yeah. Okay. So, well, that's a good point. Which means it can get through what the blood, the liquids. You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But there are some that absolutely are watertight. But you'd be walking around like. Yeah, if it was dark blue though, it could have looked black in the dark. Yeah, I think that's a fair assumption. The blue dickies could look black. Right. Try wearing a scuba suit with clothes underneath it. That would be hard. Yeah. Hop in the shower in your scuba gear. Now everyone's signing you up to put on a scuba suit. <laughs> yeah. I have some. Yeah. So scuba suits are not waterproof, right? So some are. Some only some. Yep, some are. Okay. So yeah, he wouldn't get blood on him. Yep. Some are. Yep. <clears throat> Not all of them. Yeah, it would be like a Michael Myers type outfit, wouldn't it? You got the the mask, you got the suit. What? Yeah. It would be. But I mean, that's like I feel like serial killer 101, you know what I mean? If you're trying to get away with this. Yeah. So let's let's just go down this thought process that Koberger could be innocent, okay? So. What? If Koberger didn't do it and it's someone local, let's just let's just pretend for just this one theory that it is a another kid okay why do you think Koberger was targeted do you think because he gr graded harshly where could Koberger come into this if he's not the guy um you mean so if they're okay tunnel vision or intentional frame i mean his dna got there somehow if he's not the so, guy so do we think it's more likely that whoever the if he's not the guy somebody set him up like the killer set him up or the police believed so intently that he's the guy that they planted the evidence the the uh sheath Right. 
so I think the killer setting him up could be a possibility. Um, the police, I mean, I think the combination of the pressure, um, the tip, you know, that they got about the car and the bushy eyebrows that was on his, you know, driver's license picture, um, you know, many things and then finding the DNA and I don't know, it maybe maybe they got tunnel vision and thought this is the guy and then did do an intentional plant of the knife sheath um, to prove it so that they're like, we got to make sure there's no loose ends. We got to make sure that he is tied to the scene. Yeah. So so Agreed. that's a possibility um, in my mind. But yeah, the killer setting him up or the police. What's interesting but, is that in so in my opinion, yes, Ian, I in my opinion, most of the time the police are not the ones to do this. At least that's not my first go-to, you guys. I, I don't think that statistically the police are most likely to be the culprits. However, in this one situation, if the police end up having some shady dealings in this case. Uh, it it wouldn't surprise me because of Dr. Moore. Yeah. Because of Dr. Moore. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, there's some theories out there, you guys, that are really incredible theories um, that have some serious evidence to them. Um, that fit, you know, I, I'm going to be going over one of those tomorrow night, actually. Right. Yeah. You were saying the same thing as me. We got the right guy and we know it. So plant this and make sure, cause our evidence isn't great. What's interesting is that ISP tested the knife sheath according to multiple sources and they didn't find find anything twice. Two times. Two tests, according to sources, not court documents. Um, they didn't find anything twice. But then when they released the chain of custody and sent that sheath somewhere else, they did? Is it possible that they had knives or other weapons in the classroom, in the criminal justice classroom? I, I don't know. Yeah, Does anybody I think else it, know that? I think it depends on what they were learning, uh, what um, visual examples they were using. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, Bon Bon, you're totally right. All they'd have to do is get a Q-tip, snag some cells off of something he touched frequently, and rub it all around that button. Yeah. That's why I think the chain of custody in this is so important. And that's why we are asking a couple live streams ago, where is the evidence kept in a, um, in a scene? You know, how, how does the chain of custody work when they send off that, that knife sheath? Okay. Because let's just say ISP did two tests on it. They didn't find anything. How does that knife sheath get to Texas? Does some does one person come in and one person signs it out? That person signs it 
and then they take off down to Texas where they sign it in. And who is that person? Is it somebody that doesn't have any bias or buy-in from the lab that's delivering it? Are they using some random shipping person? Are they using a police officer? Are they literally sending it through the mail? Right. I think all those questions are really important. Mm-hmm. Uh so law enforcement could have been in a lab that BK was in and didn't wash his uniform. Transfer would be easy if Ellie weren't adequately clothed when handling evidence. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting theory. I think it's a possibility, but it's if it was truly under that snap. I don't know. We don't know if it was under the snap. From my understanding, what they did is they removed the snap and then did that vacuum thing. Mm -hmm. Is our mic working? It says it is on this side. Testing. Working. Yeah, it's good. Yep. I was wondering if it was possible he worked in that lab too. Bon Bon. I'm really curious about that. Um, Touch DNA doesn't work like what, Donnie? Because it does get transferred. Yes, it absolutely can be transferred. Yeah. Do we know when the knife sheath was sent to Texas before or after BK was on the Ellie's radar? If after would... I know. Explain why they took so long to arrest him in Pennsylvania. I know. I strange, strange. It's very strange. Hmm. Yeah. And and I think that's why chain of custody is so important in this case cuz whether you believe he's innocent or whether you believe he's guilty, uh it it doesn't matter. That that knife sheath is a problem because one your ISP lab potentially did multiple test tests on this sheath and didn't find anything, but then sent it somewhere else and all of a sudden found something. That's bad for the prosecution, right? The fact that they found something. Trace or touch DNA is considered environmental DNA, which absolutely can be transferred extremely yeah. easily because it's the outermost layer of skin cells. Yeah. They yeah. are just literally dust in the wind, man. They are. They are. Um, but it, it makes me. I'm surprised that the prosecution and the defense didn't just agree to keep the DNA out of the case. It's that bad for both of them. You know, you know what sold it to me, how touch DNA could be spread that easy was that document you pulled up of the person shaking hands and then what what all did they do? Yeah. Explain so, it again. There is I'll pull it up for everybody. Because, yeah, I'll pull it up for everyone. Hang on. So there is an official uh science test done at a university where uh these people that were testing literally shook hands okay shook hands like this and then grabbed a knife sheath and every single time or i'm sorry I, i'm wrong 85 or 80, 85 or 89 percent of the time 
both people's DNA on it. 30% of the time, the one person's DNA was on it that uh, didn't even grab the knife. Okay, but there was also, like, one person had every person's DNA on their hand. And then, you you remember, didn't they all do something? That's that other test. Okay. Where every single person would grab the knife sheath, put their hand on the plate, and everybody's DNA was on it. Literally everybody's. All four. Okay, so they did a second test where then somebody grabbed the well, sheath. Well, completely different university. Oh, okay. Completely different university. And, I mean, Cynthia, sometimes I got stuck with certain customers, but it, it wasn't that bad. You you find excuses to not be stuck. Uh, Princess asked, uh, you get shutters and non-shutters also, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, every time there was, there was DNA from everybody, but some were more than others. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. All right. The experiment designed by Kale and Earl asked pairs of volunteers to shake hands for two minutes, after which they handed knives that were later swabbed for DNA sam samples. In 85% of the cases, DNA from the person who did not directly touch the knife was transferred in sufficient quantities, 85% of the time, 85% of the time. So it is that easy. I mean, two minutes isn't the key here because they weren't doing this. There was no rubbing or aggravating the skin. They were shaking. I mean, yeah, 100% is better, but you just have to cause reasonable doubt in court. 85% is very reasonable doubt. And here, we have another one, too. This is just one test, but th there's a reason why military court does not allow touch DNA in court. And the reason why they don't allow is because it's not reliable. The difference between shaking and aggravating skin cells is uh, one of them is aggressively done with the motion trying to uh, trying to get them off of your hands. So the reason why I believe they did the two minutes is let's say you're in let's say you get in somebody's car, okay, and you put your hand on the the hand holder on the side. You've just gotten somebody's car who probably spends most of their time in that 
specific vehicle when they're driving, there would be an abundance of trace DNA in that car, right? Well, you just got in it, somebody who isn't in there very often, and put your hand on a location that would have an abundance of their DNA on it. So I believe that two minutes of just shaking like this, not aggravating, but literally essentially holding hands, uh, can replicate one person going into an area where that person has an abundance of their trace DNA in that area, similar to like getting into a bed, right? Like putting your hand on somebody else's bed uh, that gives them the opportunity to transfer an, an efficient amount. And in my opinion, it, it doesn't matter if it's two minutes or if it's 10 seconds or if it's 30 minutes, 85% of the time they got somebody's DNA and a knife that didn't touch it. Yeah. I think if you had 30%, you're screwed if you're trying to argue that point, you know? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it doesn't take two minutes. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. It's That's just a variable to... It's a variable. Yeah. It, so that they it can be repeatable. It, yeah. And I'm sure it does provide a higher percentage. Yeah. So, I mean, I... I I guarantee you, I could literally just take my finger and wipe it on Brendan's skin and then go wipe it on, you know, like a little thing, those little yeah. glass things, and then have somebody test it and it would have his DNA. The, the next test that we're going to be showing is that. It is that. So, and also, I also saw you say, then why only three other males DNA? There was... There was for sure tons of DNA all over that house. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, why only 113 pieces of evidence? Because yeah. that's all they collected from the house is 113 pieces of evidence, which is low. But these very, are very, very on the low end. So they only collected things they thought were part of the crime, mean, meaning they didn't just go around and test the entire house for DNA. Yeah. Guaranteed if they did, they would have found so many different people's DNA. They only tested certain things that were of interest. Yeah, but these are good questions and I, I'm glad you're asking them because it gives us a chance to, to show uh, how unreliable trace DNA is. You know, it's one thing when you hear a content creator come on here and say, uh, you know, the military doesn't use it. And uh, but being able to actually prove it with a test, I think, is really important. Um, these are these are students at a university that in a science uh, in a science course that that are showing how unreliable this is, you know, um, and what's even more interesting in this test, you guys, is that 30 percent of the time after they they held hands or shook like this. Um, they, the person that didn't touch the knife was the sole DNA source, the sole DNA source that is wild mm -hmm. and terrifying. And it says here, uh, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. It's not 30%. I'm sorry. It's one fifth. So 20%. In one-fifth of the samples, that person was identified as the main or only contributor, and that person didn't touch it at all. Didn't touch it at all. 
what terrifyingly unreliable evidence trace DNA is. And I understand why the the military and the rest of the world doesn't use trace DNA in criminal court. It makes sense after looking at the these tests like this. Scary stuff, man. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, so Vargas does not say DNA is absolute. Actually, every single one of those experts said the opposite. They said that uh, DNA is percentage-based, which anything that's percentage-based is impossible to be absolute. Good night, Amanda. Good night. See you Sunday. Hit me up in Discord. I know I need to reply to one of your messages. Um, so I do think I know what you're talking about. Donnie does dishes. I think in the um, in the Truth and Transparency interview, she did say that at one point. Yeah, I think she did say that at one point in that interview. <laughs> So I know where you're talking about, too. She was talking about the science of DNA, not DNA profile comparisons. That's okay. not the same thing, though. I, I want to go back and watch that part to really understand what she was saying. But yeah. that's, a, that's a good point that she said that. Yeah. But, but I don't believe that it's absolute. Well, I, it, it literally isn't possible to be absolute. Otherwise... Uh, it wouldn't be percentage based. And even with the Koberger stuff, the, the percentage they gave us was 99.99998. Uh, and that's not absolute, right? That's that's very close to 100%, but that's not absolute because they have to submit everything percentage based. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's it's impossible to be absolute. So this other test, I'll just share the important part of the screen right here. So I I forget how many times they did this test, but what they did is they took four people, okay? And person one rubbed their hands. Person then put their left hand on a glass plate. Right hand picks up the knife, stabbing motion with the right hand places the knife back down on a piece of paper, right hand on the glass plate, right hand on the glass plate. Then person two comes up and does the same exact thing. Then person three comes up and does the same exact thing. Then person four comes up and does the same exact thing, okay? And at the end, this is the test result of the plate. Which means it it was able to be spread every time. So, and how long did they touch it? Oh, I'm sorry. This is the hand. I'm sorry. This is the hand. Oh, good night, princess. See you next time. So, how long did they touch it? Did they have to touch it for a certain amount of time? No. So, they just picked it up and set it did down. Did a stabbing motion. Yeah. Okay. Um... 
Yeah, these are pretty wild uh, results. Yeah, and and every essentially what it's saying is that at the end of the test, every single person's DNA had been transferred to another person. Yeah, but Donnie, in the same, even though she said that, okay, she did also explain extensively that just because you know it's their per that person's DNA, that doesn't mean you know how it got there, which is what we're really looking at right now. Not the validity of if it's Koberger's DNA. That's not even what we're speculating on right now. We're speculating on how that DNA got there because it's circumstantial. It is not direct evidence. It does not mean he was there. Yeah. It means that it got there and we need to know how. I think there's a I don't even know if you're like defining what was going on here correct because Vargas was a defense witness. Yeah. And uh what what Scott that's why there's a there's somebody's not understanding something right and Donnie's Donnie's arguing the fact that uh Vargas came on there and argued what the prosecution would have argued and that's not what happened. Huh? So she wasn't arguing that it's absolute. She was a defense witness, I, ex expert, I'm sorry. So it's literally impossible that she came on there and was like, yeah, Brian's DNA is absolute. He was there and that's it. Hmm. Otherwise, the defense wouldn't have brought her in. Yeah. So, right. Bon Bon, that is correct. Most of the time she is working with fluid DNA, not touch DNA. Uh, actually, I don't think she works with touch DNA very often at all um, from what she said. Uh, but, you know, it, it doesn't mean he flicked the button. It absolutely doesn't mean that. It That has to be proven. Yeah. I, I just think that maybe you misunderstood something. And I would suggest that you listen to her uh, expert testimony. statement. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, her expert testimony was really good. Yeah, and, and she literally says word for word that it is not absolute, that everything is percentage-based, and it's a theoretical science. And before you get on that stand, you have to do a sworn, you have to swear in, so. Who's blocking messages? What do you mean? Butter said, why block so many messages? Who's blocking messages? Who is? I don't know. Not, not on here, nobody is. No, not a single <clears throat> message. Yeah, we're not arguing against anything she said, uh. I mean, I would have asked her personally to explain more like, you know, TNT didn't dive into the percentages or anything like that. Um, she didn't ask her those questions that we're talking about right now. So I would be super curious um, to ask her those things to understand better. And she absolutely is an expert. And I have a, I have all the respect. Um, she didn't ex explain percentages. I watched the whole thing. She didn't. No. Um, and uh, she did talk about the whole pillow thing and how like easily it is spread and that it's circumstantial evidence. 
I watched the whole thing. I know what you're talking about. And I think that's a good point that she said that. Um, but she didn't ask the question. TNT didn't ask the questions I would have asked personally. Well, they also can't talk about it on there. So to I'm not talking a- about Koberger. I'm talking about DNA, the percentages that you brought up. Like I would specifically ask her about that, how it's percentage based, how things can be missing gotcha. from the genome and how the technology fills those gaps. Yeah. I would ask her specific questions about the process, which was not dove into super deep. Um, it was a really fun interview. And, you know, they talked about a lot of other things other than DNA, too. <clears throat> oh, Lana has a few other videos with Vargas. Yeah, I thought that was them diving into that other case. But to be fair, I haven't watched all of them yet. So I'll have to go check them out. Thanks, Pebbles. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's okay. Yeah, I I don't think anybody is saying that Trace DNA is weak. We're saying that it's not direct evidence. Right. So when you bring that evidence up in court, you have to simultaneously bring up the fact that, hey, understand how DNA can get there, right? Because this is trace DNA. It is not direct DNA. It is not bodily fluids. It is not spit. It is not blood. It is not anything that comes from the internal body. It is what is actually floating around on the external of your body and can be blown into a scene, a crime scene. Yeah, and and she literally did say that it's theoretical science. That's why I think there's just a misunderstanding here. Oh yeah, I think that's possible. I because she did say that it's it's a theoretical science, and that's why the military doesn't let it in there, and that's why the rest of the world doesn't use it. We are when I was doing my research, you guys. What's interesting is we're one of nine. If I'm remembering correct, my nine number could be wrong, but it's right around there, okay? We're one of nine countries or close to it that allow trace DNA. No other countries do because it is unreliable. Oh, it's the interpretation of trace DNA that's questionable. And that is my point, Mike. That's what I was saying that I would like to ask her questions about because a lot of times with trace DNA, they do not have the full genome. Okay, and what's the percentage of the genome that they actually use for the SNP markers? Point one. Right. Okay. so if you have degraded trace DNA, okay, touch DNA, you have a few skin cells um, and you have gaps in that. Okay, you don't have a full genome. That means they have to run it through a system that fills those gaps. And it makes mistakes. I've we have watched tons of stuff on this. Like, yeah, it makes mistakes. They have to run it over and over and over again. So the interpretation is what's questionable. Yeah, here you. And go. if it's mixed, that's even more of a problem. Here, you guys. I, I'll show this for anybody that's new here. Here is the evidence right here. Which 
<clears throat> which I'm really curious if there was blood on it. If there was blood on it from the victims, if there were Maddie had a guy staying in that bed and some skin cells got on it from that. Like, you know what I mean? Which it doesn't really make sense because they didn't find DNA the first time. So I'm assuming that's not the case, but I'm just saying. So the two cases that, oh, wait. The new the new video isn't in here yet. I need to fix that. So this is where we actually go into the analysis of DNA um, and what it means uh, from an expert's approach. Obviously, I'm not an expert, but all of this information was brought to you by experts. And then the only thing that we were questioning tonight around DNA was uh, this here the chain of custody around the sheath so i would suggest you guys check those out i think that um they're super interesting you guys because before i before we made those videos my idea of what dna was was that it if it's there it's either yours or it's not and what's interesting is even direct dna so blood spit all bodily fluids is never that ever, never, ever, 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 ever. That's why every single DNA profile that they bring to the table, they come with a percentage and they say, uh, you know, we believe that this person's this DNA profile is 98% likely. And I, when I was doing research for these two videos, you guys, there was a court in Florida where the judge came in here and, or the judge made a ruling of this DNA profile against the defendant that was one in two people, meaning 50% of the world's population could have been a match for this profile terrifying oh my gosh it only how takes, could it only takes a few cases of trace dna like this like like that to to make it okay it's not foolproof mm -hmm. like that is a fact it's not yeah. foolproof and we have looked up circumstantial evidence um and we we know that um, yeah but the whole point like is, with dna is what what we're talking about that that was what, one of the points we made yeah. in that dna video was i didn't know that it was circumstantial evidence until a month ago you guys i had no clue yeah so, so. we definitely did look into that um because we both didn't quite understand that but yeah you're right most convictions are made with circumstantial for sure evidence. for sure for sure i think that's why we were talking earlier about uh like what my opinion, the most reliable evidence is, is video. It's video. The defense can't test it. If you, they can't collect the sample and go test it independently. It was a single source of DNA. Yeah. Single source sample. Yeah. They can't do that. It's not possible. There's, there's they can take the genetic code maybe, but what, yeah, it's can. all, if it was altered in any way, if it's not correct, what are they going to do with it? Yeah. There's not, they can't really do anything with it. A single, so, so when you're testing a source of DNA, there has to be a minimum amount of cells that you use. And that's one of the things we talk about in the video. Um, and it, I don't remember what it is, but I'm pretty sure it was five. So you're supposed to have with trace DNA, a minimum of five samples to test with every time. 
Um, if there's not at least five, that's a lot. If there's not at least five, no, that's tiny. That is like super microscopic, next to nothing tiny. Uh, and and this is how DNA tests are done. You guys is. Uh, and the defense should lean into this. If I was the defense, this would be my go-to argument, right? Because we know that they didn't have 25 uh, samples. So you test it and you use five skin cells every test, okay? Now, the scientific method is at least three tests. So you should always be doing a minimum of at least three tests. So you do those three tests and then you do two more quality control tests after that to verify your first three tests. Now, if you did that, that would use up roughly about 25 skin cells or 25 if five is a, an exact science number that they use, leaving none other. However, in this test, the part of the reason why they used Authorum is because they didn't have 25 skin cells. They didn't have that. They had one single source test sample. So that's sketchy. Mm. That is sketchy that they broke the scientific method to, to test this DNA. Yeah. I don't think, I think there's a reason why the prosecution didn't want this in court. It's going to make them look bad. Yeah. I agree, Allie. They should have swabbed everything. And I have big concerns with the fact that they only have 113 pieces of evidence. I don't think that they necessarily need to swab everything. Oh, I, I just do. think the amount... I mean, because if you swab everything in a house, you're going to come up with like a lot. I think just Absolutely. swabbing what matters is is probably okay. Um, I don't think but so. But I don't know. I think they should have swabbed everything. And kept a very close track of everything. That's a and, lot of testing, though. And find the overlapping samples in each room. Mm, okay. So if there were samples in both rooms and nowhere else, that could be a highlighted person that, hey, we need to at least look into this person, right? Because obviously it, it could be somebody else because it's a party house. But it could also be the person that did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, no, I don't think the defense had the DNA run privately. I don't think they could have. But no, they I, didn't. I, they didn't. Okay. Yeah, they never had custody of it. No, no. Yeah. I agree that they should have ran the other DNA profiles. In my opinion, that doesn't sound very fair. Um, and well, they're making a they're making a decision that there was only one person involved by doing that. And without at least having the understanding of and knowledge of why they think it's only one other or one person that's doing it, uh, it feels wrong to me. Oh, that's a good point, J. Ray. They could have more known samples, but only three unknowns. Oh, good point. Yeah, that's a yeah. really good point. But what if it's somebody they knew and there was a, a gnat? That's why I clapped. Yeah, CH, it definitely was here. Uh, actually, I think I pulled up their website. Hang on. Dude, this gnat. Yeah, so. Uh, Othram's technology. 
It was Kinsnip. So developed by Othram, Kinsnip allows investigators to infer kinship in closely and distantly related individuals, combining the speed of traditional forensic STR. Well, I'm done. Um, okay, so now you can. I don't need to do anything. I just wanted to unhighlight that. So accelerate solves and timing was one of the things that we had in question here, right? So uh, rapid confirmation or exclusion of relationships between an unknown person and potential relatives, protect privacy, test fewer candidates and get results in days, not months, maximize sensitivity using the power of tens of thousands of SNP markers. Wow. That's incredible because even at 0.1%, that is millions of markers. So, um, cause remember with DNA evidence, as we talked about in one of our videos, uh, they're only looking for 0.1% out of the hundred percent of a DNA profile. So there are, what was it? 8 billion, 8 billion, uh, markers in a human being's, uh, DNA. And they need 0.1% of that, which is 8 million. So the fact that they can only use tens of thousands of SNP markers to enable sensitive and accurate measurement of kinship for even distantly related individuals, that's interesting. The entire process is performed in-house. So if they use this, then doesn't it sound like they had to have sent it there? Yep. The entire process is performed in-house, laboratory to analysis, without accessing online genealogical databases or tools, maximizing privacy and security. What? So it sounds like if the prosecution admits they used Othram, they are therefore admitting that they sent it to Texas. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I mean, how are they going to get the DNA sample, though, Butter? How would they get it? Get what? I didn't. I'm not. He's watching. just saying they would have rights or sorry, I don't mean to gender you just because I, I don't know what you are. Um, They're just saying that the defense would have rights to his DNA to test it independently. Um, but there is no more DNA. That's, that's what's important is there yeah. isn't any, it yeah. was a single source sample that has, when they test DNA, the samples are destroyed. Right. So there, there isn't any to give them. Yeah. So they could test like a buccal swab against the genome that they already have filed in their database, but I don't think that'll matter if they've already, you know, done all the work and matched it to him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if they've already filled those gaps. That's why which, I'm concerned about the quality control portions. It almost certainly had gaps in it. Almost all trace DNA does. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, it has gaps in the genome almost always, which is why it's supposed to be retested. Yeah. Uh, have you spent time in prison? No. Mm -mm. 
so wait, what? What are you asking here? Uh, Pebbles. In order to narrow it down to BK family, they had to have a Y DNA done that passes male genes down. So why would the fact that they got the father's DNA make a big difference? Yeah, I, I don't think it does. I think they're questioning how they came to Koberger. Hmm. Yeah. But no, I, I've never been to prison, you guys. The father's DNA is sort of irrelevant. It's the relationship to the target. It could have been anyone related to in the trash pebbles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I brought up a case or I brought up a question, I think, uh, a week ago or a week and a half ago where I think that I was arguing that it did matter if it was the father's or that would cause some concern or something like that. I since have changed my opinion. I don't think it matters. I, I, I don't think it matters how they connected those dots after they had the DNA profiles. Um, I feel like that's, that's like a, sl a slippery manipulative way to like try and get out of the DNA evidence. When in reality, my number one goal is knowing if he truly is the guy or not, not to get him off. I, you know what I mean? That's not important to me. I want to know if there's evidence proving that, that Koberger is the guy or not. So I'm more concerned with the chain of custody of the actual DNA sample and how it got there, how it was picked up, how it was managed, why it was sent all the way to Texas when ISP couldn't find any profiles on it. You know what I mean? It's strange. Yeah. It's super strange. Yeah, but important to note, Vargas doesn't collect the DNA, which is what we're questioning is how the DNA got there. Um, so Idaho already had the STR sample. It wasn't hitting. So they sent it to author him. Then yeah. when he was arrested, they swabbed him and it matched it to the profile before anything was ever sent. Why are you saying? Yeah. You said they couldn't find the sample. She's what? saying that I, oh, the ISP oh, 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 found oh. the sample. That they already had the STR sample. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I know that, that I've heard that pickle. I, I know I've heard that, but there's nothing stating that. So far, what we've heard stated is that they couldn't find anything on the sheath and that they sent it to Authorum because they have a very specific process that can extract DNA, like yeah. trace amounts of DNA. Now, now but, that that's not that's not out in an official court document or anything like that. That was just talked about by a whole bunch of experts and attorneys talking about like the angles that the defense would have because of how bad it makes the prosecution look that the fact that their own testing center couldn't find DNA and they had to, they had to release the chain of custody to send it out. And then what the attorneys will be able to do uh, to make that look bad on the prosecution's point. Allie, enjoy your food. And yeah, we, we know that. He's going to post some uh, members videos about some of the things he's done in his past soon. Yeah, no, I, you guys, I was, I did criminal stuff for sure. I just never got caught. The yeah. only time I got caught is when I was under 18 and my records are sealed. So uh, I could pass an FBI background. Yeah.
and it's possible they have more than they release. That's possible. Yeah. Because they continue the investigation after the arrest. Yeah. Listen, Donnie, I hope he's the guy. I want Brian Koberger to be the guy because the opposite is terrifying. We we are not trying to argue Brian Koberger's innocence in no way, shape, or form. That's that's not our our concern here. We have a whole bunch of viewers that believe that Koberger is guilty. We have a whole bunch of viewers that believe Koberger could be innocent. We have a whole bunch of viewers that don't know, and we have a whole bunch of viewers that are more concerned with the process of the justice system and how it was managed than they are with that specific case itself. And uh, whether you believe he's innocent or guilty, there's major red flags here. There are major questions. Um, and I always go to Gilgo four. When you compare this evidence to Gilgo four, they don't have anything here. And it's interesting to watch these experts come on TV and uh, on mainstream news and say things like, Oh man, they, they have a slam dunk case. They have all kinds of stuff. They have this, that, and the other, and the whole shebang. And the reality of the situation is if they had that, they probably wouldn't be talking about it in that way. They're trying to make people believe that they have that, that strong of a case, but they don't have much of anything. Yeah. So in the, in the SCR from the sheath and CODIS, thus they had to have ran it that doesn't mean they actually had it though like they could have got the dna profile because like brennan was saying once they run and test the dna it's destroyed so then they would have sent the profile back digital yeah. evidence not actual like dna like they're gonna take that digital code basically run it through codis and then see if they get a match and obviously send the sheath back but that doesn't mean that ISP collected the DNA. Correct. So, Agreed. Yeah. Clear. yeah. Are, or are you talking about the three unknowns, CH? I'm not sure. I think you're... No, because they didn't run that through CODIS. So mm -hmm. you're definitely talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. They, they said with the three unknowns. So the prosecution's exact statement was that they had three unknown profiles, but they didn't have enough there to run them. Uh, good That's night. That's what they said in court. Good night, Butter. Good night. You're a good salesman, apparently. <laughs> and Annette said, "Don't incriminate yourself." <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I, I've never done any crimes that don't have uh, what's it called a um, uh, the expiration. I'm having an ADHD moment. Um. I don't know. Statue of limitations. Yeah, statute of limitations. I've never been involved in anything like that, you guys. I want to see a fair trial too. That's our goal here. Yeah, absolutely. I want everybody. Yeah, exactly. I just want them to get the right guy. Yeah. And there's just seeds of doubt here. That's 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 it. Oh, Mike, that sucks. I filled an FBI background check for my job. My brother-in-law set it up. What? Dude, they they check all kinds of stuff in FBI background checks. That's why I was blown away when I found out that I can pass one because uh, of my past. And they're supposed to take like all those things into consideration when they're running 
uh, your background check into, I forget how they word it, but it's likelihood of something. And uh, I passed it according to an employer that I had to have, uh, you know, a clearance for. And uh, they said I passed with flying colors. So I was I was super stoked. Well, that's gross, Mike. That's super gross. Why? Do you know why they do that? No. Or is it just racism? Uh, I have no clue. Yes, plausible deniability. Just eyeballs. That's my everyday life. Yes. What is going on here? Especially in Gilgo and Delphi right now. Yeah. Gosh, I can't wait to talk about those because it's wild out here in these crime streets, crime ridden streets. No, you would expect to walk out. You would expect to walk outside and just see the world burning and then you walk outside and it's not. <laughs> yeah, they had to run the DNA through CODIS prior to doing IgG. That is required before IgG. Once they have the SCR digital profile, they have it. They must have had enough to ship to Authorum. Authorum didn't do the IgG. They collected the sample. Yeah. According they, to what we well, have read. Well, yes. so the entire. Okay. So. The entire process is performed in house laboratory. And they to don't analysis. do IgG, do they? I don't believe so. It Let's just look. says there. What? It says there laboratory to analyze without accessing genealogical yeah. databases or tools. So they do not access any oh, of that. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. So then how do they do it? What do you mean, how do they do it? If you're not accessing databases, then how are you making familial matches? Be they, they create the profile. You don't need the database to create a workable profile. I know that. I know that. So if they create the profile, then they have the ability to then send it to um, the FBI who actually built the the uh, connections, the um, whatever, the IgG stuff. Right. Right. So they I, exactly that's that's what I'm saying. They generated yes. the SNP profile. Right. Yeah. And then I believe they sent that to Moscow. Yeah. And then they ran it through CODIS. Moscow did. Ran it through CODIS after Authorum. Yeah. After Authorum collected the sample. And when you press on this, it takes you to a totally different non-Authorum website. Yeah. Unless it's ran by Authorum, it is. But it's a separate entity at the same time. Yeah, I mean, that's not that weird. I'm just trying to figure out how it works. How they do this. Well, funny you say that. How it works. The DNA solves databases used exclusively to aid human identification uh, investigations in order to help law enforcement resolve cases. Purpose built, forensic focus, purpose built for law enforcement. We facilitate full chain of custody and support agencies with cases with case feasibility assessments and other forensic resources. Powered by Authorum. 
powered by Authorum. Okay, Authorum's advanced testing platform to secure the best outcome for every case. So Authorum specifically is the laboratory that collects the sample and then and builds the SNP profile and then they run it through their database. This yes. is their database. Yes. And separate. And like that's a different step. Right. And J Ray, right. The FBI then built the tree. Okay. And yeah, I think you're right too, CH. Okay. Yeah. We're on the same page here. <laughs> yes. Why do they have a picture of somebody skiing? Are there any cool ones in here? I don't know. It's interesting, though, you guys. And it uh, it just brings up some big questions. They have to have STR to compare SNP. Have a good night, Rosie. Good night. They create the SNP first step in the IgG. Right, right. Okay. Thanks, CH. You always got good input yeah i feel like a lot of our viewers are yeah bonbon bon, really i can good. understand that i can understand that but it does matter when causing reasonable doubt in the courtroom yeah yeah and ann taylor seems to be focusing it on on it a lot um okay off topic just fyi israel just ordered its diplomats to leave turkey and its citizens to leave turkey also if you're a religious person i'm not maybe time to pray crazy wait question why turkey specifically that's super sad and scary i hope yeah everybody will be okay which they probably won't unfortunately yep all right guys i think that is the show for tonight yeah thanks michael night rosie yeah no, thank you, CH. We appreciate you being here. All of you. You two pebbles. I think you... Is this your first night? Yeah, it is scary. All right. Thank you all for being here. We appreciate <laughs> all of you. You know, you're totally right, J-Ray. I totally am right now. It's because I had a little thing to do today that was like, I had a thing to do today. <laughs> but yeah. So. Appreciate uh, it. Well, hopefully you enjoyed this live. I feel like we were off topic a lot tonight. We it's were. not like the normal one. So, um, but it was a good one all the same. And I feel like we were able to co cover a lot of uh, good topics and uh we appreciate all of you for being here. Oh, that's awesome, all Pebbles. Yeah. We we here, love I'm that. Post. We love that you caught us. Good night, Joanne. I'm going to post the our social media real quick, you guys, so you guys can join, follow, uh, come hang out, because the conversation does not stop here. It continues on in our memberships. Where for those of you that asked if I've ever done prison time 
and you want to know a little bit more about my background, I will be talking about some of those stories and why I have experience in in interrogations and uh, things of those nature, but they will only be membership videos just because I don't ever want it to seem like we are highlighting crime and criminal behavior. So uh, behind a paywall, it is. But uh, the Discord, hang on. Oh, hey, all right. That's awesome. Welcome, yeah. Pebbles. Love that you're here. Welcome to the community. Um, yes. Yep. Here, I'm going to post this real quick. Invite people. Edit invite. No expiration. No limit of people. You need to create the members only Discord too. The Discord channel that we can connect to here so people can hop on. Yeah. Yeah. So I... I will be doing my video on the investigation interrogation topic soon, but welcome to the Thought Riot team, Pebbles. We appreciate you and uh, super stoked that you're here. Oh, and you gifted somebody a membership, man. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. That's incredible. That. Yes. Mountain Mama got it. Yay. Yay. Yeah, we we appreciate that. We try to keep it very calm, laid back, not argumentative, argumentative, argumentative. Um, and uh, what you saw tonight with just talking through like some of the DNA profiles, profiles and things like that. That's the most arguing you're going to get. And that's not arguing. We would just prefer to have good conversation. We want people on here that don't agree with us. We want people on here that have questions. And the things that we like doing are researching those topics and questions and finding the information out. And we just hope to be the person that can supply you those that information or answer those questions uh, in a calm, laid back, fun, presentable way, you know? Yeah. So. And I don't know about the party, by the way, Donnie. I, I'm not sure. But everybody, thank you so much for being here. Yes. Um, I hope we can do another. Oh, thank you, Firefly. I hope we can do another member live stream soon. And we're going to give everybody a little bit more notice. Yeah, uh, that's this, the goal. Yeah, because we just got the time to do it randomly. Um, but yeah, and we are learning from each other. And we appreciate all your guys' input. Yeah. But so are we are we gonna do one video about both of our backgrounds or are you gonna do one and I'm gonna do one? Like yeah, different. Different for yep. sure. I think that's how it should be done too. I, I didn't a, know if you had plans. I have a lot of stories, you guys. Like it, for those of you that are new here, part of the reason why I really enjoy true crime is uh, you know, I was heavily involved in criminal type life and activities when I was younger, you know, I, I was, I didn't have a direction for my life and, uh, I didn't have a lot of accountability built into my life. And I had, uh, ADHD that was, nobody was helping me learn how to control it, how to fix it, how to work it. Um, and, uh, it just turned into me being a troublemaker. And 
wanting the next adrenaline rush and hanging out with troubled people and doing troubled things that come with it. And uh, I'm just super lucky. I never caught real charges because I, I've done things that could have put me away for a long time, you know, and it's helped give me a whole bunch of experience that I can use when talking about these topics. So, okay. The members video has to have Amanda's cult of Malia thumbnail. Yes. So I will make that the thumbnail of that video. Yes. A Malia <laughs> cult. Yep. All right, That's everybody. Awesome. We but, appreciate y'all. Yeah, I want to say one thing real quick, and then we're going to hop off. If you guys have any ideas, okay, members, uh, perks that you would like to be a part of the channel, let us know. If you have ideas on emotes, uh, badge badges, like for you get a ba different badge every month you're a member. Um, uh, perks we don't have but you'd like to see definitely leave us a comment or hit us up on discord or send an email um and let us know well i'm glad your boyfriend likes my hat jay ray <laughs> have a wonderful night yeah i appreciate that absolutely yeah we it appreciate was, all the love yep it was tough learning but we got there yep all right guys See you later. Bye.